I am recording. I've got my notes pulled up. This was such a long process. Anya, welcome to our recording process. How does it feel? I don't know how you how the girls who cried be horror do it. It's just like, no, I'm not gonna go there. You know, you guys might have a streamlined process, but we have we have a really organic process. You have like a really, really like gritty, low budget character to your box. <laughs> <laughs> Dearly departed, are you listening? We will remember all about you. When you were canceled, we were trembling. We can't believe that they would doubt you. We won't forget you and the rest. Dearly depart, dearly departed. Um, you're listening to Dearly Departed with Abby and Roberto. And special guest, Anya from The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. It was only right that after talking so much about her podcast and having her call in a couple episodes ago. And have her move in with us. It was only right that we give her like a moment in the sun, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. No. Uh, this is special because I feel like this is like a crossover episode because you did this movie on your podcast and now we're doing the adjacent show on our podcast and we've brought you on. I feel like this episode was really born a few months ago. Abby and I were sitting down and why did I text you about House of Wax? I love that you think you texted me about House of Wax. Did you text me about House of Wax? I deadass Venmo'd you three fucking dollars to rent House of Wax. But I feel like there was a reason. Like, we were snapping. She watched it, and she was obsessed. I had seen it. I had my whole journey, which if you want to know, you can listen to my episode on it, whatever. Um, But then it was like, I became like a missionary for this movie, and I was like, everyone I know is getting three dollars tonight. To rent it. And that we did. And the movie in question is 2005's House of Wax, which is, you know, inspired by several classic horror movies, such as the original House of Wax. It's a remake of a remake. As well as the movie right. Tourist Trap. But if you want to hear everything about the the movie, the plot of the movie, you can go over to Anya's podcast. It's a really fun episode. It's a mini so It's like, you know, 45 minutes. It's really digestible. Um, but let's fucking dive in. Look, we are talking about the show that history is desperately trying to forget. Um, we are talking about... <laughs> this is the show that history is desperately <laughs> trying to forget. This is MTV's movie life, House of Wax. Now there's a colon. Movie life, colon, House of Wax. I'm sorry, the intro didn't have the colon, so I didn't include it. It just had that big bold. Yes, yes. So the implication, right, is... Is that there were going to be other movie lives. You know, movie life, house bunny. Um, (laughs) Only house films. (laughs) Only house films. Uh, Movie life, monster house. You know, The way that my ass would quake for a monster (laughs) house movie life. It's a fucking great movie. Um... It's just a bunch of guys sitting at a computer animating. It's literally just them episodes. doing the stop motion process. And then they go to Cancun. Oh, wait. Why did I think it was stop? Wait, strike that from the record. I'm not a dumb cunt. I know Monster House is not stop motion. Don't put that on my fucking tombstone. <laughs> but 
But it seems like they never did. It seems like it was a one and done. It seems like maybe MTV didn't get the response it expected. They were, you know, this this show does remind me of Britney Spears' show that we covered. Because it's that messy, like, behind-the-scenes footage that nobody really needs. It's not illuminating, really, in any way. But it is so digestible and so delicious. It's also chaotic. Very chaotic. Very chaotic. In the sense that there's no real through-line story, besides that it is, you know, the -the behind-the-scenes of the House of Wax production. Right. And we get to get to know really intimately these four big 2005 stars. Look, they were big then, they're big now, and they will be big in the future. I, I choose agree. to believe. I mean, you know, Jared four- Padalecki has a new show coming out. <laughs> these are four. Um, I think. Walker, Texas Ranger. That's fucking right. Oh, once again on uh, the CW. That's fucking right. He knows where his fucking bread is buttered. I do too. <laughs> the way that I will sit through this fucking show because he's in it. You're I so do strong. feel like Jared Padalecki was born into like a CW pipeline where he just will be. Where he's thriving you know, for the rest of his life. Not he even has the like, you know, a beautiful life, a beautiful wife, beautiful kids, beautiful home. More than I will ever fucking have as I like most likely will die unhappy and alone. So you know what? CW. I'm ready. I'm fucking ready. I will degrade myself. Honey, do you want to talk? Um, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Okay, so let's fucking do this. So there's very little known about movie life, colon House of Wax. You know, it doesn't have its own wiki page. It doesn't have a section in the House of Wax Wikipedia page. All that we have really is a very sparse IMDb page. Is there anything on the MTV website about No. No, there's not. It's a blip. Um... But according to IMDb, it premiered March 31st, 2005, despite the movie being released on April 26th, 2005, despite the entire cast in the show telling everyone to go see it on May 6th. I was getting that sense. So they made the behind the scenes documentary series as kind of a promotional tool for the movie, but they fully spoiled the movie. Correct. In it. Yes. I mean, they, yeah, it's like, they don't, I feel like they don't, there's stuff definitely if I like had never seen House of Wax, which could never be me. Um, but watch this. There's definitely like people that you're like, okay, if I went in knowing nothing, now I know certain people that are going to die. And even to, for some people, the way they're going to die. Yeah. There's definitely still a lot because House of Wax is a whole ass fucking meal. Fucking five courses, babe, that Correct. like you're not getting. But yeah, it's still kind of fucking wild that they were like, hey, here's huge plot points. Go see this movie now. I do think that this reality show did not give justice to the quality of House of Wax, the film. Well, it 2005 made, didn't give respect to House of Wax. Because of those negative reviews, mm-hmm. those low grossing numbers. Is I that mean, what you're referring to? 27% on Rotten Tomatoes make it make sense. 27%? They're fools. It's an exceptional film. That's repugnant. That's repulsive. That's offensive. Correct. This is literally why I do not fucking trust the critics. I really don't. No. So we're going to have Anya give us a rundown of the film. But I just, I have a few notes. You know, the movie again came out 2005, slasher, directed by, how do you spell his name? His name, Jom? Jom? Uh, I think it's. Jom? Wait, yeah, Jom. 
Joan they Calypso. really went out of their way to make him look completely irrelevant. Correct. <laughs> on this and incompetent. <laughs> it was written by Charles Belden, um, as well as the future writers of The Conjuring, Chad Ooh. and Carrie Hayes. Well, that's why it's so good. Mm-hmm. As we t- mentioned, it's a remake of a remake, and it stars Alicia Colbert. Uh, Cuthbert. Of 24 fame. You know, she's in The Girl Next Door. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that. She's in Happy Endings. Um, we have, of course... The Chad Michael Murray. Right, right, right. Um, of One Tree Hill, a Cinderella story. Mm. Freaky fucking Friday. Tell them. We have Jared Padalecki. Mm. Which, you know, you may have seen him on a little show called Supernatural. Right. Um, you may remember him on Gilmore Girls. As with Chad, a little Gilmore Girls. That's right, right, that's right. And he is a Scream King. Oh, thank God. You're oh, my, you know, having starred in the... Friday the 13th remake, Delicious. along with my girl, Danielle Panabaker. Um, wait, Jared Padalecki is in the Friday the 13th remake? Yes. I've never seen a single Friday the 13th movie. Isn't that crazy? The way that like every time you see one of these things, a little bit of my soul dies. Well, doesn't it make you happy that you can introduce me to these things? You know, that you can be the one to deliver me unto Friday, Friday the 13th. Yes, but something I have to start doing is like stop taking like owner. Like I don't want to be that person that's like I introduced you to that thing, you know. I mean, you introduced me to House of Wax. It's okay yeah. to. You're so rare. I'm incredibly giving. Um, I'm very charitable. Thank you. I want to be recognized. Very. For that. Ju- you gave us movie life. Colon House of Wax. This was you, baby, and I want you to feel proud. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and of course, oh my God, we can't. Forget. Oh, we haven't even mentioned about, the real star of the movie. Oh, yeah. Paris fucking Hilton. No resume needed. She's an icon. She's um, a legend. She's her a, resume is a novel. She did everything. Exactly. Exactly. Reality star. Actress. Heiress. Musician. Mm. Singer. Pop culture. Icon. Icon. International superstar. Exactly. Um, and then the only other person I want to mention is the um, producer who is often featured in this um, series, Joel Silver. You know, he's produced some big films, you know, The Matrix, we have Die Hard. Um, while taking a, a, a little peek at his Wikipedia page, um, I did find that um, on August 19th, 2015, um, his former assistant drowned in a lagoon Hi. at... Um, Jennifer Aniston and Justin Thoreau's wedding. Holy fuck. Wait, his and assistant died at the wedding? I, during the celebration period time, according to Wikipedia. Maybe it was <gasps> after, maybe it was before, maybe it was that weekend. I'm not quite sure. Um, but later the family did sue Joel Silver and his current assistant, um, arguing that he had provided her with cocaine along with, um, you know, alcohol and exhaustion from work. And they allege that, you know, it had contributed to her death. That it was his fault that she drowned at Jennifer Aniston's wedding. Celebration. Because of Joel Silver's cocaine. And alcohol and... um, Working her too hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can believe that just from looking at Joel Silver, I did get a hard cocaine vibe. I just got like, you know, like Sopranos wannabe vibe from him. And I feel like all of this tracks... I just want everyone to have that knowledge, you know, in their pocket while we go through the show. Wow, rest in peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for real. And I mean, that's all I have. So Anya, why don't you tell the good folks of Dearly Departed what this little movie's about? 
give them a good word per se. Um, okay, House of Wax 2005, um, as Abby was saying, is a remake of House of Wax with Vincent Price, which is a remake of Mystery of the Wax Museum. Um, but there's also traces of the 1979 slasher film, um, Tourist Trap, which we also covered on my pod, if you're interested. Um, but House of Wax 2005 is a goddamn... Wait, so this is the result of like three previous movies. In theory, like they don't say that it's a remake of Tourist Trap. Like but there's but heavy it, inspiration. Yes. Um, but there were two House of Wax quote unquote movies before this House of Wax. Would you say would you say 2005's House of Wax was a cultural reset? Yes, I was literally just going to say that. Um, It was a cultural reset for the horror genre. I mean, you had obviously the 90s giving a scream, reinventing it. Um, And it's like, you know, how do you where do you go from there? Like the 90s was all this self-aware horror. Slashers then were big again. Then they died again. Um, You know, House of Wax 2005 is the best slasher movie of the 2000s i have no problem saying that and dying on that hill um no one's fighting yeah i mean like i am correct i know this (laughs) um but essentially the premise is a group of friends you know your classic they're going somewhere car trouble whoopsie daisy um but we're also like stranded right outside of this like abandoned ass town that's not on any map um so of course you have jared padalecki and alicia cuthbert cute little couple has to go into the town um i don't want to spoil the movie even though we probably will because we have to talk about the show that spoiled the movie. Um, But essentially, you know, from there, it's like now they're trapped in this town in which everything and everyone is made of wax, um, trying to escape and not become the next wax figures. It's got everything. It's got Achilles heel slices. It's got finger chopping off. It's got mouths glued shut. It's got hot wax on hot bodies. I mean... It's got heavy incestuous vibes for me. Yes, yes. There's a very intense sexual chemistry between the lead actress, Alicia Cuthbert, and the actor playing her brother, Chad Michael Murray. And I was expecting in this behind-the-scenes docuseries um, to see, like, some vibes between Alicia and Chad to, like, explain why they just are giving, like, sex eyes at each other for the whole movie. But I caught zero vibe between the two of them. I don't know if they were just trying to hide it because um, Sophia Bush was present 24 hours a day on set. With Through his character was the only way that Chad could express his attraction. <laughs> the only way for him Alicia. to escape <laughs> Sophia Bush was to express attraction to Alicia whilst the cameras were rolling, perhaps. Mm-mm-mm. But uh, yeah, that's... Um... That's the con- truly the condensed version of House of Wax 2005. I really do think, not even fucking ironically, that it's like a goddamn horror masterpiece. I mean, I really, really enjoyed it when we watched it. And typically with this podcast, you know, we don't suggest people to watch the shows that we're watching. You know, the whole point is we watch it so you don't have to. I would say, you know, we're going to stick by that. But as far as the movie House of Wax goes, I highly recommend that people watch the movie. I think it's worthwhile. I think it's October. Watch the movie and Venmo your friends $3 so that they can also partake. Pay it forward, fuckers. Pay it forward. Imagine that's what we do this Halloween. I just give someone $3 to watch House of Wax and we see how far it goes. The thing is, like, you know, there'd be one hoe that you couldn't trust that, like, would not use it for that. And then there would be bloodshed. Ugh. Well, let's fucking do this, shall we? I'm so excited. Roberto's like giddy over this because genuinely this is the stuff that we like the most. I mean, obviously I hated Mob City and it made me sick. And um, it really does say something about us that that like show that there was so much effort put into 
so much budget behind, you know, big names was just such an utter disappointment to me. But this thrown together, thrown together, sloppy, you know, behind the scenes reality series about Paris Hilton and Chad Michael Murray doing nothing on their days off was everything that I wanted out of a television show. And it is available on YouTube. We watched the whole thing in like an hour and 45 minute YouTube video, but you can also watch it as a playlist. So anybody can watch this for free. I think what's incredible about this show is it's 2005. I I mean, reality TV had been going, right? But I feel like it hadn't reached the level of, of, of scripted drama that it would. But there was something about watching this show where I really had to wonder, like, is Chad Michael Murray playing a role? You know, is he playing a douche tool bag version of himself? It felt like a mockumentary. It felt like it felt like Paris and Chad were in their own show, were in their own mockumentary style show, whereas Alicia and Jared were kind of. Doing something. I I will say I didn't smell a lot of authenticity. No. You know, no, I didn't. But that's what I liked about it. Well, I will say when I was on my, um, you know, House of Wax rebirth uh, at the beginning of quarantine, um, I am a sucker for behind the scenes shit. So I was just like, let me, I want all of it. So of course I was watching like behind the scenes interviews and like behind the scenes shit that they had in the DVD, which is how I stumbled upon this like fucking gift from above that was Movie Life Colon House of Wax. Um, I do want to tell you that at least for my research in that, Chad Michael Murray is a little bit of a diva, jackass. Oh, that I believe 100%. I mean, yeah. I mean, like him like putting on like a little bit of a show clearly for, you know, the talking heads in the show, I think is. I think that's what I mean when I say like, I didn't find the talking head portion to be a very authentic. I think what the camera captured of Chad was probably very accurate. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I do think that he is everything that you would expect Chad Michael Murray to be in 2005. Chad Michael Murray was like a, obviously an early crush for me as he was for many people who had their awakenings in the early 2000s. So seeing him on a, on a reality show was an absolute delight for me and seeing, you know, the negative sides to his personality. It wasn't a deal breaker for me. It wasn't a turnoff. <laughs> he does strike me as kind of one of those like chauvinistic, like hyper-masculine blowhard guys that would treat his woman like a princess. Right. Like he's okay, a diva I do love on that. set. He's kind of a jackass, but I feel like he was treating Sophia Bush like an angel. I hope that that's true. Um, I know that their marriage was annulled about five months in. So I don't know really what went down there, but um, I, you know, I can't speculate. Movie Life colon House of Wax opens with the cast arriving in Gold Coast, Australia, where they are shooting the film House of Wax at the Warner Brothers studio. Of course, we have a really fun opening music number, which is the song Spitfire off of the House of Wax soundtrack. It's a fire track. It's really good. A huge fan. You're welcome, you guys. And um, we're about to get to know Jared Padalecki, Chad Michael Murray, and Paris Hilton for now. From this opening, immediately, as someone who's seen the film, right? Uh My mind goes, oh, so they're focusing on every character except for the one non-white character. But, you know, they're focusing on the big stars, and they also ignore a few of the other characters. As it turns out, there are actually two other white men that were in the movie that we never see a single time in this documentary. Um, so yeah. I can't be too mad. I had forgotten that they were in the movie, but the main core cast is 
seven people and we only follow four people on this documentary. But, I mean, even on, on top of that, like the clear focus is Chad and Paris. Right. Yes. 100%. I, um, I will say I keep referring to it as a documentary. I am being generous. <laughs> this is a reality show. Um, you know, Brittany and Kevin Chaotic was a docu-series. Right. Is a reality show. But one of the first things they do is introduce Mr. Big Shot producer, Joel Silver, who, of course, did Die Hard in the Matrix. He's hot. And, As um, Paris says. Yeah. He's, he's shown up in Australia. <laughs> yeah, we are not attracted to this Sopranos-looking motherfucker. <laughs> But he shows up in Australia for the wardrobe fitting and the cast is very nervous to meet him or I guess they've met him before, but they're nervous to be around him. Um, Jared particularly is like, oh my gosh, like what if he just like fires me on the spot? Like this man is so important. Joel Silver is such a huge deal. They hire Milo Ventimiglia. They replace Jared Balicky with Milo Ventimiglia. I would watch the fuck out of that movie. Um. But Joel, you know, Joel says that wardrobe is so important and he loves to be present for wardrobe. You know, he's a producer, but he's one of those producers that's really involved on the creative end. He has a lot of vision for House of Wax, um, particularly for what Paris Hilton is going to wear. Um, it's clear this man just wants to be on TV and I'm not mad about it. I do believe this entire behind the scenes look was a self-serving vehicle. You think it was his idea? man to be on TV. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, this went through him 100%. 100 fucking I think he is a big shot producer who was making a movie with, like, at that time, like, the world's biggest socialite, Paris Hilton, as well as, like, heartthrobs Jared Padalecki and Chad Michael Murray. Like, what could be a better vehicle for him to show off and basically brag on MTV every week? So we meet Paris. I'm a huge Paris Hilton supporter. But something I did note is that Paris... She's not like super enthused about her costumes for House of Wax because they're they're a little hip hop for her. You know, that it's not really what she would wear in real life. She's into skirts and heels. And- it's just curious because she does wear like a velour tracksuit in the movie, which is something that Paris Hilton is iconic for wearing. But it is blue. Right. Not pink. So maybe um, that's what she meant by hip hop. I want it noted. We're going to get to this. But the when they go to the zoo, she is wearing a velour blue tracksuit. So, so it's exactly what she wears. But maybe that was kind of her influence because maybe they were trying to give her outfits that were like a little too hip hop for her. And she was like, no, like I'm not comfortable. I want to wear, you know, underwear and a hoodie. Yeah. So my, my favorite thing that she says, of course, other than her iconic tagline of that's hot is um, it's annoying. It's like really Whenever annoying. it's like mildly inconvenient or overtly inconvenient. She was apparently annoyed by a lot of things on the House of Wax set, which I get. I get. I mean, I walk through life annoyed as well. <laughs> I love her. I just, like, love when they do the fucking talking head. And she's like, yeah, like, so it all burned down. It's, like, really annoying. You know, Chad is already giving attitude to the camera. He oh, has know. opinions about his costume, which I think is really hilarious because who cares what he thinks? And Joel also, like, seems to kind of roll his eyes over Chad's opinions. Um, but he does say that he's going to gain another 10 pounds of muscle before production starts. He he promises that. I I personally did not see a huge difference in his body. Um, it looked but I believe great, though. Like, he looks, looks amazing. Yeah. I will laugh because um, he dresses the way his character does. Yeah. So I was confused. Tank top and sweatshirt. Why he was pressed. Well, once again, maybe we can credit his influence. 
on the character, you know, what he brought to the character. But the scene in the movie in House of Wax, when <laughs> he takes off his sweatshirt to give to his sister, and he's like, of course, I'm her, but then he's Oh, not his sweatshirt. And he gives, he takes off his tank top and gives it to her to wear. So he's been shirtless. So something else I noticed about the, um, the wardrobe fitting is that, well, first of all, Paris does spend a, a large chunk of the movie in her underwear. So they have to pick out sort of what underwear she's going to wear. They go with like a fun, like pinkish reddish lace kind of situation. Um, but there is a really gratuitous shot of her changing into her costume that they've kind of like cut together with music. And it's just of her like taking off her tank top like mm-hmm. over and over again. Um, I do believe that is a shot picked out specifically by Joel Silvers. Ah, uh, yeah. I did get the sense that he was, that the Paris was a sexual object in this film and that she was treated objectifyingly by Joel. And I didn't appreciate that because I see Paris as an individual with agency. And I'd like to see her receive a little more respect, particularly from, from Hollywood producers. I don't, it's like, I don't even know that I want to say this because it's like, I'm not trying to accuse anybody of anything. Uh, I think he's a vampire. Um, just like his energy once again, it's like, I have no proof of any of this. And it's just like, if someone told me this, I wouldn't be like, that's insane. He just does give me like some Harvey Weinstein energy. I I mean, I felt similarly. Yeah. I think we have now like an assumption when you see like a big, big shot producer man. That looks like a grease ball. That looks greasy and is talking about how beautiful Paris Hilton looks in her underwear. You know, there, there are some places that we jump in our mind and we can't, we can't really make assumptions and guesses, but we can just say what we felt the vibe was and the vibe was not cute. From Correct. Joel. Yeah. Um, but Paris wants to wear heels for the movie and the movie does have a really long chase scene. Her death is actually, I mean, I guess we don't need to spoil, but she's not the first person to die, which I appreciate it. She's not even the second. She's the last person to die before, like, the final fight. Yeah. She goes fourth. That's incredible. She's important to the film, and she lasts a while. But she does have a long death scene where there is a chase that she, of course, would not be able to wear heels in. Mm -hmm. And I was rocked because I was like, wow, they're just like spoiling the fact that she's dying. But then you educated me. So um, I'll have to send you guys a picture of it. It's also available on our podcast Instagram, The Girls Who Could Be Horror. Plug, plug, plug. Um, But Paris, I believe it was in her store, whatever her clothing brand was, Paris Hilton, doesn't fucking matter. Um, they were selling these t-shirts, pink t-shirts. I've desperately looked to see if I could get one used. I can't. The best I can do is like getting one on like Redbubble that someone's like recreated. But it's this pink t-shirt and just like block letters, black. It just says, see Paris die, May 6th. And they use that as promotion for the film. Like, because, you know, there's some people that hate Paris Hilton. Like, well, yeah, then if you're, if it's like you love Paris Hilton, you're going to go see the movie because Paris Hilton's in it. You're going to support your girl. You hate this bitch? Come see her get fucking brutally killed. Come see Paris die. So you get both sides of that market. But that's her mind. Like, that's how fucking, like, she's fucking insane. She's She's a brilliant, like, no fucking bullshit. Like, she's just, she knows exactly what the fuck she's doing. That's the thing with Paris is that I do believe that she sold this movie. It, they even refer to it like they, they play, um, news like australian television news and they're like oh the set of the paris hilton movie house of Mm -hmm. wax like paris hilton is what sold this movie the movie wouldn't have existed without paris it wouldn't have gotten the funding without paris it wouldn't have done any kind of numbers without paris yeah and i i don't know what other films she's been in none immediately come to the top of my head but she's acted before she was in 
season one of Veronica Mars. So I feel like she gets she I feel like she plays herself a lot. Paris Hilton? That's the thing. No, she plays like a character. She plays a teen student. She oh. Veronica Mars has to take her down. I fucking love Paris Hilton. I I just really do. I can't wait to watch her her documentary. documentary. It looks good. This is Paris. Mm. A Paris like we've never seen. So after the wardrobe fitting, we get to see Chad's day off. Most of I feel like this reality TV series is just like showing us Chad and Paris's various days off. And of course, the actors don't have the same days off, so we get to see a little solo vibe. But um, Chad has brought his childhood best friend, Jason, along to be his personal assistant. He's not his personal assistant back in LA, but it's like, hey, buddy, I'm going to Australia to shoot this movie. Do you want to come with? And, you know, you get to be in Gold Coast and you can wait on me hand and foot and be my bestie. Um, But the first thing that they show Chad doing is um, adopting a dog, Mm -hmm. a puppy, not a full grown dog. A puppy. And now it's important to note that this is about a two and a half month production in Australia. Um, But Chad, you know, he knows that he's really going to miss his dog back home. So he needs to get a dog for his time in Australia. And it needs to be a puppy that he needs to train while acting in a film. So he gets this dog and he names the dog Ozzy. And Ozzy's super cute, totally little puppy, totally rambunctious, tons of energy. And Chad is very um, serious about the fact that Ozzy is an alpha male. He's the alpha dog. He's the boss man. Um, He's an alpha male, just like Chad. Chad says, you know, being an alpha male is really important to me. You know, the concept of alpha male is important to me. And, you know, Ozzy's an alpha male. And everybody's immediately mocking him, which I appreciated. Jared Padalecki particularly makes some jokes about Chad and and being obsessed with being an alpha male. What's Um, important to know is that throughout these scenes... Chad uses language that makes you think this man is not keeping this dog permanently. This is very much a temporary Uh companion. I mean, yeah. I don't think it's very easy to travel internationally with a dog or to take a dog out of a country and bring it to another country. I think that he was adopting a dog for a temporary situation. And that then at the end of the two months, he would rehome the dog, I would assume. But we don't get answers, but we'll get there. Um, but you know, he's obsessed with the fact that Ozzy is an alpha male. I personally, I don't know if I would characterize Chad Michael Murray as an alpha male. I just don't know if I, I would, would say that. Man who wants to be an alpha male. Yeah, I would characterize him as a blowhard. I would characterize <laughs> him as a douchebag. You know, I would characterize him maybe as a fuckboy. But I wouldn't really Chad Michael Murray, if you ever hear this and want to come on our show, we'd love to have you. No, I'm talking about 2005 Chad. It's important to note that I'm talking about young Chad. Peak of his career, heartthrob Chad, America's obsessed with his good looks Chad. You know, that moment in a young man's life is a very specific moment. I'm not saying that now 40-year-old Chad is that same man. You know, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that he's grown. Have you seen his thirst tweets? His thir- I thought it was cute. He seems really confident, but I would also be confident if millions of people were obsessed with me and if websites were selling Abby Baldwin body pillows, that would go to my head. So I don't blame him for getting an ego. Um, But, you know, he brings Ozzy to get his checkups and his shots at the vet. And the veterinarian, you know, puts his hand all up in there and says, oh, no. So at this point, I was like, oh my gosh, we're about to find out that Ozzy is a girl dog. 
and Chad's going to be devastated. <laughs> but Ozzy's not a girl dog. He is a boy, but he only has one testicle. I'm going to give, you know, Chad some credit here. He lets this roll off his back. You know, at first he's a little upset because he doesn't want to have, you know, a dog without, you know, all the proper parts. But he lets it roll off his back and he's like, you know, Ozzy's such a man. He's such an alpha male that he only needs one ball. He literally goes on to say in their like cab back when they're like giving him shit, which I mean, from the get go watching this as a Jared Padalecki lover, you're like hoping that this fucking buffoon will not, you know, embarrass me Mm. and my good name. And Mm -hmm. he did not. I mean, from the beginning, just giving, you know, Chad shit about being a quote unquote alpha male really Gave me the butterflies. Um, but in the fucking cab ride back, Chad is literally, you know, talking about like, oh, yeah, he only needs one nut. He's still like alpha male. He'll like fuck your girl um, <laughs> with one nut. He says something in that vein. And I'm like. Your puppy? It's just like, it's an animal for starters. Um, so the idea of like your dog fucking a woman. I mean, he doesn't make me feel great. His puppy has, you know, a little Mr. Steal Your Girl vibe. Like that's just how he sees his I, puppy. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, bring me a cute puppy. Like I'm, uh, I'm a slave to this puppy. Am I going to fuck the puppy? No, I'm going to say that right now on record. No hesitation. <laughs> Thank God you did. I know some people might have been curious, and the answer is no. Jared, Jared makes a lot of jokes um, at Chad's expense, which I appreciate. You know, they know each other from doing Gilmore together, and they're clearly buddies. Um, but Jared says that Ozzy, you know, isn't even a real man. And they call him Unanut and Ball Clops, I think. Oh, yeah. Nut Some Clops. Kind of nut nut Clops. The dog can't hear it, Roberto. The dog doesn't know. They're I insulting mean, Chad. I think it's it's good that he's playing with Chad's ego a little bit. But yeah. I, I will give Chad credit. Like, Chad doesn't seem to take issue with this mockery. You know, he doesn't get, like, his buttons pushed by people making fun of his dog. He seems to, like, be fine with it. Mm. Um, but it does put a little dent in his whole alpha male rant. Um, next, we see Paris's day off. She goes to the mall, obviously. Um, she received an invitation in the mail to a 13-year-old girl's birthday party. Mm. Um, she doesn't know this girl. She's got the invitation in the mail. And, you know, Paris is really self-sacrificing. She's really generous with her time. She's a do-gooder. So she does decide to surprise this 13-year-old girl by going to her birthday party. The birthday party is, of course, Paris Hilton themed. The girls are, all of the girls there at the party are dressed in, you know, tank tops, velour pants, and Von Dutch hats, which Paris notes that she doesn't even wear anymore, but she thinks it's really cute that these little girls, like, are wearing the Von Dutch hats, even though that's, like, not something she still does. You know, she's kind of over the Von Dutch thing, but I guess these little Australian girls are, like, still stuck on it. Um, But she does bring a Swarovski crystal necklace for the girl. She says that, you know, every girl needs um, a tiara, but I don't see her give this girl a tiara, so I'm not really sure what she means by that. What I took away... This, that's what the necklace was. Oh, it was the shape of a tiara. Yeah. What I took away from this was it wasn't like, look, it was very sweet of Paris to go to this random girl's birthday party, mm-hmm. right? But what I saw, what Roberto saw, was um, a very rich family. Oh, a 3,000%. You know, maybe calling up Joel Silver's assistant and demanding that someone get Paris And overworking there. that girl. That's what I saw, you know? I mean, we, 
they do give Joel doesn't have a lot of talking heads throughout the show, but they do give him a talking head moment where he's like, you know, Paris is just a great person, you know, and she really gets off on just making other people happy and, you know, making the world a better place and like just doing good. Do I think Paris would go to a random 13 year old girl's birthday party? Yes, absolutely. I just feel like the invitation getting to Paris is like how does it get her a letter? She obviously doesn't open her own fan mail. Who does? It definitely went through him because of the fact that it's like, you know, it gives him another talking head moment to be like, because the thing is like the end of the day, if she just like personally somehow got this through her own people or by herself, decided on her day off, she's going to do this. Like, it's like, how would Joe really even know about it to like then get on talking head and be like, yeah, she like does stuff like this or blah, blah, blah. It's like him orchestrating the whole thing. To then, once again, just play into, like, the Paris market for this film to be, like, yeah. well, she is, like, a good person and blah, blah, and, like, look what she does for her fans. Like, she's great. And literally at the birthday party, she's just plugging the movie and telling the girls that she dies in the movie. Like She spoils the whole movie for them. She's like, yeah, everyone dies, um, including me. I die in the movie. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, do you die? And she's like, yeah. And they're like, oh. Paris is a huge deal in Australia, though, is what I took away from this. Um, because it's what Joel says, that she's a huge deal in Australia, which... I mean, she's a huge deal everywhere. They also show it, to be fair. Well, because... This brings me to my next... Illustrates my next point, mm-hmm. which is that the paparazzi in Australia is fucking obsessed with her. I didn't really know that there was, like, paparazzi in Gold Coast, but they there is. And they're very persistent. They rented... In a, she lives in, like, a high-rise apartment. They rented an apartment in the building across from hers at the same level so that they could shoot out the windows of that apartment into her apartment and like get video of her on the roof and get videos of her on the balcony. So she's not escaping any kind of paparazzi hounding by coming to Australia. You know, you would hope for like a celebrity this big, you know, they get so much attention in Los Angeles and New York. You would hope that when they go abroad, they can maybe have a little bit of a break by going to certain places. Gold Coast Australia is not the place to go for that is what I learned. Because she is being followed around consistently. You know, she has her whole security detail with her all the time while she's in Australia. She needs it. Something I always, I go I go back and forth on is just like the whole thing with paparazzi in general. Like, I think I was almost talking to you about it the other day, maybe. Bruno. But like, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, I feel like I go wishy-washy where it's like, you know, sometimes I'm like, give these celebrities like a fucking minute to breathe. Like, let them have their own lives and blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, sometimes I, I pause and I'm like, you know, it would be one thing if if we lived in a society that didn't raise up celebrity to what it is. Like if it was just like their job as an actor, they act in movies and that's it, right? Their job. Then like let these, let these people do the job and have their lives. But it's like celebrity, at least in America alone, is like so big that it's like we we give these people everything. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't have they have millions of dollars. They get everything they ever wanted. They're living fucking absolute dreams. So I'm like. I don't know. It's just like sometimes like maybe you're asking for too much. Like I'm just like, yeah, you, you can't go to the grocery store without getting your picture taken. You also have a million fucking dollars. So, you know, if someone wants to fucking take a picture of me at the grocery store, t- picking up some fucking Tampax, I don't give a fuck if I have a million dollars. Like I'll fucking wipe my tears with my hundreds and move on. And also, you know, I'm not a celebrity, not even fucking close. So maybe when I eventually am, obviously, because I will be, um, I'll feel differently. But just speaking of someone that has like no money and nobody's interested in me, I'm just like, you know, I don't know. This is my take. Leave Paris alone 
on her hotel balcony. Oh, yes. Sean and Camilla shuffling down Miami streets. Give me more. Have at it. Have, have at, at it. it. I mean, the Kardashians make money off of paparazzi photos. They have right. specific deals with paparazzi. They will let paparazzi know that they're going to be in a certain place to get a certain picture. So it's it's not this relationship of like victim and mm-hmm. attacker. There's a relationship between the celebrity and the paparazzi. I don't think that that's all the time happening. No. I don't think Paris had like a deal with these Australian paps. I think that they were just harassing her. But also but she doesn't complain that much about it either. Like yeah. she seems to have a good attitude about it. Well, specifically with Paris too, right? Like she's an heiress. Yeah. She's not a movie. I mean, after this But movie, she was right? born into this wealth and fame. Right. So it's kind of all she knows. But I, I, I... I do see her having a relationship with paparazzi, maybe not the same way yeah. the Kardashians do, but I think that she became an icon by oh, 100%. catering to. 100%. I mean, she was born into wealth. She leaned into it. She monetized yeah. her fame to get richer. And part of that means paparazzi. But she doesn't also strike me, at least from this documentary, as being the kind of person that like constantly bitches about fame. No, she mm. wants to be famous. She gets a lot out of it. You know, that's her job is being famous. And, you know, she, she'll be like, eh, it's an, you know, the paparazzi's outside my house. It's it's annoying. But that's like it. She's not really making a huge deal out of it. So. I think Stan Twitter is the new paparazzi, to be quite honest. Right. Like, whatever, like, you know, my sister loves Tom Holland. And, like, her fucking explore page on Instagram is, like, nothing but Tom Holland photos. And all it takes is, like... All of Stan Twitter for Tom Holland being like, where is he today? What is he filming? Where is he at? How can I get as close as possible? And then it's like one person gets like a fucking maybe slightly pixelated photo of Tom Holland on a fucking boat shirtless. That's her entire explore page. Every Love you blasting Bridget. She yeah. doesn't care. She I, fucking would blast herself. I mean, I think it's probably, if I had to guess, I think it's probably arguably worse now. I think there's more laws for paparazzi as far as I know. But I think the idea of like 24 hours a day knowing where a celebrity is... At all times, and it being reported online and people tweeting it's like so, much so and so now. is here today, so and so is here. Like I think that that's like more intense now because of the internet. Yeah. Well, do you know where they should all be? At fucking home. Cor- yeah, say it louder <laughs> for the people in the back. <laughs> so, the next thing that happens is that Alicia Cuthbert finally arrives. Alicia spells her name E L I S H A, which I personally think is a very chaotic spelling of Alicia. It's just, you know, it's non traditional. It's offensive. I, you know, I'm not offended by it. I think it's interesting that it's Alicia with an E as opposed to Alicia with an A. Alicia. It's not my preference, but I'm not hating. But she arrives. Um, she goes in for her wardrobe fitting. She admits that she's a little aggressive about costumes. She has a lot of opinions about what she should and shouldn't wear. This was the part where I kind of got the sense that all of them were low-key divas besides Jared Padalecki. Everybody on this movie seems to think that they need to have an opinion about their own costume. I don't know if that's normal or not because I'm not an actor and I don't know much about Hollywood. But if I was, I'm pretty sure I would just wear what they told me to wear to play the character. Like, it's interesting to me that they seem to have so many opinions about what their character should wear. It's one of those things where it's like, you're not costumes. You're not the costume department. You're the talent. You're the actor. Like, you should be talented enough that regardless of what fucking, you know, 
fucking sack of clothing I put you in, you can make this character work. I get to a degree being like, the the, the clothes are a part of the character, what the fuck ever. But like, it'd be one thing if it was like, we want to put you in this really inappropriate revealing stuff. And it's like, I understand maybe taking a stance on that and being like, yeah. listen, I'm not physically comfortable being in that. Like, we didn't discuss that, blah, blah. But like, it, for her, it's like, you know, between a fucking jacket that she's like, mm, I think that one's ugly. And it's like, yeah. bitch, shut the fuck up. And I literally did extra work on a movie one time for a big budget movie. And I had to get in a costume. Tell them what it's going to be, bitch. It's free, guys. It's coming out in December. I'll probably be on the fucking cutting room floor. Where you fuck. <laughs> but I was in this costume. And, like, you know, of course, it's like the first and probably only time I'll ever do something like that. And I'm just overwhelmed in general. It's a different, you know, feel entirely. But I had an experience where, like, they those motherfuckers asked me my sizes before I went in. And not only did they put me in costumes where I was like, I fucking hate this costume. Would I ever fucking say anything? Absolutely not. Once again, I'm not a huge star. I'm a fucking extra on a movie for one time. But they also would like make me try on clothes that wouldn't fit me. Like they'd put me in clothes that were not my size, even though I already gave them my size, which was like not the best experience. I was like, yeah, these pants don't fit around my thunder size. Can I get a different pair, please? Um, but so like watching something like that, it's just like, it was like off-putting to me about her where I was like, queen. It, oh, this experience would be so much worse for you. Wear the fucking jacket and shut up. That's the thing that was annoying to me is that she just had an opinion on like the style of the clothes. And she felt like it was really unfair that Paris gets to wear cute lingerie, but she has to wear like leggings. It's like, it's your character, She babe. refers to them as long johns, which well, they're not. They're leggings. Literally. But that's the thing. It's like, it's your character. Paris Hilton is Paris Hilton. She's playing a Paris Hilton-esque character. You're the lead. You have to do all of this action in your outfit. Why would your character be in lingerie? Why are you bitter that Paris gets to be in underwear and you don't? She's like bitter the whole time too. Like in multiple episodes, she's bringing shit up and she's like, yeah, I look like really grimy today. I don't really look cute. And it's like, yeah, That's of course you don't look cute. You're it's like a horror literally movie. in a horror movie. You're fighting for your life as the final girl. Like what the fuck did you think you were going to look like? I don't, I didn't find it outrageous that they had opinions and and wanted certain things from their characters, right? Like they are building a character, but it was the delivery, right? It was it was the 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 kind of nasty undertone in their voice. The of, way- How dare you would put me in this outfit? Yeah, it's like, girl, just be like, I just feel like my character would maybe make it about the character, not about what you as Alicia, a star of 24, would wear. Would I mean, wear. That's, that's the vibe I got, is that she just wasn't, it wasn't about the character for her, it was about her and what she wanted to wear and how cute she wanted to look in the movie. And it's like... Well, look, she had to reel in her brother in the movie, so... House of Wax is not about you looking cute. It's yeah. about you almost getting turned into a wax figure. Um, so, you know, they, they finally end up all being really happy with their outfits they make a huge point to be like yeah like i'm really i look really cute in what i'm wearing like i really love my underwear etc etc um so the first day of shooting begins we do get a fun shot of chad telling the cameras not to film him getting his makeup done oh my god fucking diva i do think that they went out of their way a little bit to like highlight chad's attitude moments because typically right if you're shooting a reality series and someone says like, hey, cut the cameras right now or like, don't film this. You're not going to see that in the reality show. And I, I'm sure that there's a huge possibility that other cast members said stuff like that. But every time Chad is like, cut the cameras or like, get that camera out of my face or whatever, like they put it in. I because they probably had a reputation for being an asshole, you know? So it's like, let's play it up. Whereas Jared is delightful. Jared what is so going to get out of him? Um, 
don't know, with shit like that, it's really easy to be like, oh, it's it's all the editing. It's all the editing. Oh, no, I think it's Chad. <laughs> I just, like, I just think they leaned into it as a production. I think they leaned into that right. Chad persona. But a lot of it is, like, shit where it's, like, when he's saying cut, it's, like, random shit. Like, it's, like, oh, he's just, like, in the makeup trailer, you know, that's a part of shooting. That's probably something people He's an see. alpha male. And he's, like, don't, don't get me getting makeup on. Where I'm, like, I can tell you hand the Lord Jesus Christ right now. Jared Padalecki did not pull that fucking nonsense. I mean, the only three times that he tells the cameras to cut away is one when he's on the phone with like a personal friend one when he's getting his makeup done and then one when he's having um a outburst <laughs> so those are three times when given who he is i understand that he wouldn't want the cameras on him in that moment um then the episode ends with alicia doing her big fall down in the forest and it does appear from this reality show that she was doing her own stunt there's like a pretty long shot of her rolling down a hill. So I was a little bit impressed. Like, good for you, Alicia. Taking the role head seriously. First. Head, head first, first down a mountain. That Jared was convinced he was going to break both his legs on and never act again. Well, she's stronger. Jared does seem to be a little bit of an anxious type. He does have a little bit of nerves. But that like makes series. him so much hotter for some reason. I mean, he's real. He's authentic. I just love that he's like really nervous. Episode two of Movie Life, House of Wax, opens on Paris chopping what appears to be um, a piece of fruit or vegetable. I want it noted that it looks like Paris has never chopped anything before. She's doing it one-handed. She's not really looking at what she's doing. It's very dangerous. Maybe that's because she chops so often she's extremely comfortable. Mm. I mean, you got me. She asks her bodyguard if butter is bad. While discussing her dreams of, you know, eating healthy, getting into shape. She is a big fan of fast food. Homegirl loves Popeyes, as do I. Oh my God. I would love a Popeyes sponsorship. That's what fits your guys' show. That does fit our brand. We cut to a shot of Chad calling his papa for advice. Poppy. Um... The situation in which he needs his advice for is whether or not he should propose to his One Tree Hill co-star, Sophia Bush. Love her. She has a great raspy voice. I want only good things for her. in John Tucker Must Die. Oh my God, she's amazing in that movie. She's really cute on One Tree Hill. As admitted, I've only seen seven episodes. Um, I'm sure she goes through a lot more character development. She's in a few episodes of Love, Victor. Oh, right! Mm-hmm. Who does she play on Love, Victor? She's the dad's new girlfriend. Victor's girlfriend's dad's new girlfriend. Oh, my God. Yes, she is. That's More right. power to Sophia Bush. That's yeah. girl. So the reason why Chad needs advice is because it's really unusual in his family for the men to get married. You know, he says that his brother has been booed up for years and like isn't having the question, like, this is really crazy. And, you know, it was an old in five months, so. Okay, do it that way. Well. I do like that they have made Chad proposing to Sophia, like, a centerpiece of this show. She's present at the House of Wax production. Like, she obviously came with him to Australia, but she never, there's not, like, any close-ups on her. Like, she's very much. Never talks. No. Never talks, but it's just clear that she's there. Nonsense unrelated to the movie that's what makes it great jared is pulled aside um by a crew member (laughs) because they need to perform a wax test on him you know his character goes through a very spoiler alert traumatic experience um (laughs) with wax and they need to see 
you know, how it's going to affect his skin. You know, when they, they spray hot wax on him. They want to spray some wax on his arm. Um, he assumed that all of this would be done on a dummy, you know. Um, but as we all know, in this show, producer Joel Silver's values bear similitude. So he's all about authenticity. He's all about it being real. He needs Jared Padalecki to be covered in hose down. They make such a huge deal out of how nervous he is to get sprayed on the arm with the hot wax. But then when it actually happens, we don't really see his reaction. And we skip ahead. Yeah, they just totally skip ahead. And it's like, you just hyped up this hot wax thing so bad. And I don't get to see him like react to getting hot wax sprayed on him. It's just one of those things where, okay, be nervous, right? But then go with the crew member, have him test it out on himself first, do a tiny spot on your hand, you know, like it just seems like calm down. Like they're not about to risk you, a huge star who's probably getting paid millions to be like, Injured. I do want to come to Jared's defense because it's his dry skin. Don't you dare! Don't <laughs> he you has dry him. skin, so he's you really worried. Dare. Um, <laughs> is this is a case where I feel like to a degree some of it is the editing? Once again, it's clearly all shit that he said and he did and he felt. But like a part of it is like you know some of these movies that sometimes like they are like the communication is like fucking non-existent right. so i feel like maybe they were not like articulating well like what they needed where you know if they're like yeah it's time for the wax test and he's like excuse me what right like i could see him being blindsided not expecting to get hot wax sprayed on him i mean yeah and, and also, i feel like hurts. he was asking about it and like the way they're cutting it isn't the best editing in the world like it's all over the place a little bit sometimes where it's just like you know i feel like he was like i need you to tell me exactly what it is like what is in this what is the temperature? What is it going to feel like? And they're just like, it's hot wax. Where's the hot? And it's like, fucking, what are we doing? Like, tell me what we're doing. I did love the crew member who looked so annoyed. He's just like, shut the fuck up and like, let me spray hot wax on you. <laughs> the thing is, is that it's not going to be traditional candle wax. Like whatever formula they're using, certain waxes melt at a lower temperature, like hoba wax. You can pour that on your skin. It's not going to burn you. It's not going to be painful because it melts at such a low temperature. I'm sure whatever wax they're using is not like going to be scalding. No, I mean, I would pray not. And I think it's one of those things too where then like, it's like when you retell a story to somebody where you're like, and when they told me, I was like, what are you talking about? So leave like a bunch of cuts of like him saying that, like on the talking head, recounting it to somebody else. Like they just told me they were going to put hot wax in me. So it just feels like it's like, Jesus Christ, Jared, relax. Where it's just <laughs> yeah. like, it's just them cutting it like simultaneously back to back of him, like just recounting this moment of having like a, what the fuck? I mean, this hot wax scene is the worst that he looks in the whole series. Like he looks great. He seems really, really nice and cheerful for the whole House of Wax production. Him freaking out about this hot wax is like the only moment where we get him looking like a little bit silly. But it is yeah. not like he looks like a diva. He just I agree. looks like he's I, I think it's ending. making a big deal. He does have a moment though where he's like, can't we do this to someone else? Like, isn't there like a body double? Like, okay, the way that I would ask the same shit though. Well, I just like spray the, the hot idea wax on of a different person. him being so terrified that this wax will scald scar him ruin his dry skin but how quickly he's like but someone else right like someone else can take that bullet it's like what well he just does he just does sound like they make him look really goofy when he like shows 
the special effects guy like his dry skin on I his hands he's like look i just i just you know i came to australia and like the dry air here is just like really drying out my skin and i actually have a rash and he like, like look at it look at it he's he like shows his rash to the guy he's so worried that this wax is going to irritate his skin ultimately i guess it doesn't because they don't make a big deal when it actually happens yeah. At the mall, Chad is going shopping for some candles. He's preparing for his proposal, and we get a really great shot of him autographing a Freaky Friday DVD. Oh, God. Everyone stream Ultimate from the Freaky Friday soundtrack. In her quest for health, Paris goes... Oh, she starts lifting. She starts lifting some five-pound weights. Um, But she finds it annoying. She doesn't like it. So annoying. So she gives up and decides to eat bread. She's so fucking relatable. (laughs) Later, she tries to go for a run on the beach, which is very difficult. Like if she was really... Running on the beach is not easy. That's not how I would start my running career. Right. It's hard. Um, But it's okay because her trainer ends up um, just shoving her (laughs) some of the way. He literally has his hand on her back, like literally pushing her along the beach. Um, But she looks great. So something's working. It's that metabolism. <laughs> so we, again, as we mentioned, we don't see it, but Jad, Jared gets the fuck over it and does the wax test. Like full body spray and wax. Well, so what I think is funny is that apparently a dummy gets fully sprayed, a stunt double gets fully sprayed, like a body double, and Jared gets sprayed, which seems like a lot of spraying. Because he gets like, at the very least... It's his arms, because that was the whole thing at the beginning of them right. being like, we want to spray it on your actual arms. But then they also put him in the head mechanism. The diehard fans will be able to tell his dry skin apart we will. from. Yes, we will. <laughs> um, we most certainly will. Um, but then, yeah, they show him in the head contraption, which, like, once again, then he's, like, kind of having a panic of being like, yeah. um, if I freak, if I, like, you know, I'm, I'm good right now, but if all of a sudden I have a moment and I'm like, I need to get out of this, the way that it has, like, screwed on to me, like, it's going to take a minute to get it off. And, like, if you're having a panic attack, like, that's a long yeah, time he to does, sit there. He does mention that, like, if he gets, like, claustrophobic, like, it will take a while to get out of this, like, needle suit that they put him in. I just felt for my baby fully and truly. I just wanted to hold him and say, sweetheart, it's okay. I could see, too, like, with the wax test that they did on his arm, I could see him asking the reality show crew not to shoot that. Because he was obviously so nervous about it that he oh, doesn't yeah. want to be calm on camera if he's going to freak out. But I will say the scene in the movie looks great. It did traumatize me for many, many years. It's one of the most iconic scenes in the film. So later, um, Chad and Jason are practicing arranging some string Christmas lights on a tennis court. Um, Chad wants it to read, I love you. And it needs to be able, you need to be able to see it from 18 floors above from his hotel room. Except um, his assistant, Jason, is a shit craftsman. Um, and there's a reason why he's only a temporary assistant. I want to make note that the assistant gave, like, reminded me of, like, he sounded like Mark Ruffalo if Mark Ruffalo was, like, really nasally and awful if Mark Ruffalo wasn't cute. That's a very specific um, feeling and reference. And, um... I hope your audience appreciates it because it's dead on. I do appreciate that Chad Michael Murray is doing this grand, bold, romantic gesture. Okay, and That's but why I feel that he is really a lover, not a fighter. Again, questions. Why is he doing his own shopping? He has a personal assistant. Why is he yeah, doing all this shit? his personal assistant is his bestie. I just yeah. feel like he's big enough to have other people do this is my 
But I mean, I he's being filmed for it, and I think it would look bad of him. I mean, he looks bad sometimes. He doesn't give a shit about <laughs> yeah. that. But... So, do we think he only did it all himself because there was a camera crew I following him? I think he's him. proposing marriage. I think he wants to do the proposal himself, not pay a bunch of randos to do it. I think it's partially what Abby was saying, where it's like he seems like one of those quote unquote alpha males that like will treat his woman like a princess so like of course when it comes to that no he's gonna have hands on he's gonna make sure it's perfect but also to agree I think it's because there's a camera crew present so then if looking back she's like oh you just like sent this motherfucker to get the candle you're telling me Jason set up the proposal yeah it's but Jason, real bad it's important to note that Jason is the one that sets up all the candles I mean Chad is present while he's setting them up and like giving him shit for how he's setting them up yeah. they're, they're practicing it together Jason is really worried that if Chad gets married, everything's going to change. You know, Chad is going to become a square and Jason won't be able to come over for football anymore. That's so hard. It's a really touching scene. I mean, this is why no one should get married. He I, just illustrated the point so clearly. I agree. Sophia agrees to the engagement. So good for them. I'm really happy for them. I did appreciate that they did not film the proposal. Right. Like, yeah. you just see from 18 floors below, Jason is at the tennis court with the Christmas lights, and you see Chad, like, go out to the balcony and wave down and say she said yes. We don't see, like, Chad getting ready to propose. We don't see Sophia arriving at the apartment. It's obviously a private, intimate... Well, if he's going to no tell cameras. them don't film getting his fucking makeup on, you know that motherfucker said do not film this fucking proposal. <laughs> Sophia wouldn't like it. You know, he thought I would look great, but... Do you think this is going to catch uh, the fucking literal demons that live above us? Yeah. I just used to believe that we live in a haunted, spooky place rather than have annoying neighbors. I think we just have children upstairs. I think that that's probably why there's constant stopping. During the first night of shooting for what will become the cultural reset that is 2005 House of Wax. Yes. Everyone is called to set. But Paris is not in her body. Paris is having a panic attack. She's really nervous. You know, she has a big scene with Alicia and Alicia was fucking late getting to Australia. She hasn't bonded with her. She's worried about the lines. You know, this is a really big movie. Paris does a fucking great job in this movie. You can't really tell from this behind the scenes look. I feel like the the, the scenes they capture her acting in are not the best, but in the movie, she's great. I remember thinking her performance was totally acceptable in every way. I was not offended by her performance. I didn't think it was like hugely phoned in. I didn't think it was like when Kim Kardashian was in that movie. Isn't Kim Kardashian in a movie? Probably. Is it that movie with Nicki Minaj? What? What? I feel like there's a movie starring J-Lo in my head in which either Nicki Minaj or Kim Kardashian play her assistant. I don't know what that is. Well, Beauty Shop's Queen Latifah. Oh, you're talking about the other woman. The one with Cameron Diaz. Nicki Minaj is in that. Okay, so what is Kim Kardashian in? Nothing that I care to see. Drop Dead Diva, season three. I um, I want to make note that, like, honestly, I feel like I personally have some beef with Alicia because a hugely of this bullshit of, like, getting there late. Like, I don't know what her reasoning was. I don't know if she ever said. but No, she, they said it was 24. She was on set of 24. That 24 wrapped late. Um, one is more important than the other. I mean, one was one of the biggest shows, I think, for Vox. And one and the other one cultural got panned by the critics. Um, I'm going to stand where I stand on that. Um, But she got there late. So, like, even Jared was a little upset because they're supposed to play lovers and she wasn't there to bond with them at the beginning to, like, really build that relationship. I just feel like she's holding everyone back. And And you fucking said it. Well, the thing that I noticed with Alicia is that she does have a little bit of an attitude about Paris, where every time she gives Paris a compliment, it's like, 
she's yeah. shocked. She's like, yeah, Paris actually did a really good job. You know, I was really um, pleasantly surprised by Paris. She just has obviously an attitude about the fact that they cast a reality star heiress in this movie. And it's like, even if you feel that way, go go off. But it's like, you don't need to fucking say it on this TV show that this bitch will probably then say. I could see it though as her saying that as a response to what the public probably thinks. Yeah. You know, like I know that you all fucking think that Paris is going to suck ass, but she was great. I think is a defense. I don't care about her. So, well, I could also see whoever is conducting the interviews for the Talking Head being like, "So, were you nervous to work with Paris Hilton because she's an heiress and not a real actor? Like, what did you think about that? Like, I could see them baiting her for sure." Um, Another thing that I really thought was funny about this scene is that the director Jom, who we rarely see, um, gives her some really not comforting, kind of useless advice. She's like, you know, can we do my stuff first? We need you for all of it. Just kind of seeming like he probably didn't want to work with Paris, but kind of like- It was obviously Joel's idea to cast Paris, not the director. Well, I feel like that moment made Paris look silly, whereas there's a moment that comes in a later episode in which he's giving, it's in Paris's death scene, in which he's giving her He gives her the worst direction. That was a scene where I was like, this is horrible directing. In that scene, it was just like kind of comical because it was Paris like not getting like- how it works on a movie set and right. being like, so can I just like say my lines and then go back to my trailer? And they're like, no, we need you for all of the right. shooting for tonight. That's why you're on, like called to set for this time. And her being like, oh, whatever, it's like annoying, but I just like not like, I'm just trying to get back into my body right now. She's nervous. It's a big movie. I mean, um, I don't blame her. I would have a panic attack. I mean, I think that all of that was valid in my opinion. And she's yeah. in lingerie. This might not be the launch. No, so she's, she's in her clothes. Too. She's in yeah. clothes. Um, either way, the episode ends with the scene going really well between Paris and Alicia and Alicia being really proud of Paris. She said Paris brought it. Paris kicks ass in this movie. And that she fucking did. Absolutely. Um, so before I take us through episode three, I do want to make note that at least, I mean, I think this is the only way you could watch it. I don't know if you can like rent it on Amazon or anything. Um, on YouTube, they have like the ending credits and everything. And it's just like, just in the way that House of Wax 2005 is a goddamn time capsule for that time. So is this show because it has like these MTV commercials where like you go to the MTV website to like download ringtones for your phone of like the hot hip hop tracks of the week. Give me Skater Boy Avril Lavigne as my ringtone um i just feel like there was the one that was um oh god now i can't remember who does it ludicrous or whatever like get back get back oh, you don't great. know me like that like ugh. they do such chaotic editing on the series too where because there's countless like 30 second scenes yeah but every 30 second scene has a different 30 seconds of the song in the background it felt like watching beautiful boy I mean, there was one specifically in this episode that I'm going to make mention of that really, like, sent me over the edge in the best way. It just kind of feels like you're skipping through different radio stations that are playing different highlights of the House of Wax film set. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, it's such, it's so jumbled and randomized. Um, But the episode opens with Jared Pilecki in Chad Michael Murray's rented apartment for the time in Australia. Yeah. The place is a fucking wrecked ass mess. And Jared tells us with much delight because Jared in this entire series revels in 
tearing down Chad. He wants to antagonize my king, Chad Michael Murray. Oh, I want our kings to fight and then kiss. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can send you some fan fiction. Um, Not the same. Yeah. <laughs> I want video. I want the real deal. Um, sorry, I got distracted. Chad Michael about, Murray um, does strike Supernatural me. fan fiction that I read growing up. And... I'm going to be honest, I am going to look for it tonight. And oh, thank God. Chad Michael Murray does reek of, like, the kind of actor that would refuse to play gay. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. I know that Jared would do it, and he would do it with class. And he would fucking sell it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of hot men that we love being in gay content. Right. Oliver Jackson Cohen. I know. In whatever gay movie he's the in. The orange whatever the fuck it we is. We need to see it. What? Yeah. Tell me more. This what? was, like, back before, like, his big break in, um... Hill House and then Invisible Man and Bly Manor. Um, but yeah, it's called like the man in the orange shirt or some shit. But he is gay in it. Um, what I love about this Oliver Jackson Cohen renaissance is yes. that recently Abby found a very delicious, almost made for me Reddit page called Lady Boners. Right. And when I tell you that every other post is Oliver... <laughs> I feel I, like that's made for me. The thing about get on Reddit, girl. Oliver Jackson Cohen. I feel like I'm an outlier in this setting right now. I think he's very attractive. I'm very attracted to him for sure. But watching Bly Manor, he's like the fifth person on my list of like people I'd fuck on Bly Manor. Oh, see, he's like number one. Everybody who I'm talking to about it says that he's number one. He's just not number one for me. I want him to possess me. I want him to hurt me. I want him to body slam me through a brick wall. Right. And that's where I stand on that. Anyways, moving on, because I am getting uh, really sweaty and really horny. <laughs> Hot in this apartment. Um, sure, we'll say that. Um, the dog, the puppy, Ozzy, has fucked up Chad's apartment. Um, Jared tells us that it cost Chad 20 no. $10,000. 2000 he said. 10 He said $10,000. I think he said 20 There was a big-ass number. It doesn't matter. No, I think he said that the dog did $10,000 of damage to Chad's apartment. Probably for... Peeing and shitting on carpet that and now they have to re-carpet the entire hotel room. Up cushions, shit right. like that. So that brings us into Chad's journey for his next day off, which is that he has to take the puppy to puppy preschool, in which he says, you know, if you're someone that knows anything about dogs, then you know that like puppies preschool is like useless. You did hear right. A show produced by MTV meant to track the behind the scenes life of a horror slasher 2005 flick is following Chad Michael Murray to puppy preschool. Mm, correct. Um, he also goes with Jared. It's like weird. The editing once again, like he goes with Jared because there is a shot when they're at puppy preschool of like Jared standing in the puppy preschool, like making fun of Chad and the dog. I mean, I think they're really with everybody. I don't think it's weird that they're there. I think the editing is weird because they never show a shot then of like, Chad and Jared together at the public preschool or like even Jared in the background of one of the shots it's like really if, if you can try to convince me hard enough you could convince me that like Jared wasn't actually there yeah they just like edit something it's like very weird um but Ozzy is really asserting himself one ball or not baby he's gonna be the alpha male at this puppy preschool and he's just like not attacking but like playing very rough with all the other puppies and like Chad is living for it he's like thriving in this moment that his alpha fail i cannot speak his alpha male puppy um is being a little shit to all the other puppies he then like has to put like a muzzle on him i guess 
free Ozzy. Literally. I mean, just the audacity. It really is the audacity to me that he would adopt a dog for two months that he has to train from scratch, like a newborn puppy. Deadass. I just, like, make it make sense. I mean, I guess he justifies it in episode one with, like, he loves dogs and he always needs to have a dog with him. Like, it just, like, he can't, like, live in an apartment without a dog. I totally get that. I totally get wanting to have a dog with you wherever you go. I just don't get why you need to get a puppy that you now have to train on, like, your one day off a week from this home set. It's just, like, don't they do that shit where I feel like there's things where you can, like, not renting an animal, but like you can like take like a foster animal in for a certain. Yeah, he could have done it. He could have fostered an animal. Like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, he definitely has the money. Know. You can travel with an animal. Yeah, you like, can. Um, but it's kind of like not fair to bring your dog overseas and like adjust it to a new environment if it doesn't need to be. I guess it's yeah. just kind of like a lot to put a dog through for like. Sophia put her butt down. The dog stays with me. I mean, Sophia came with him. Yeah. He brought Sophia but do you think to she, I don't think she was there the entire time. Who the fuck knows? She's in almost every episode, though. I she's mean, like she's the there background. literally in the episode they get engaged at the beginning, and then she's there in the later episode at the table when Chad is teasing Jared about Paris. Like, she's it seems like she, she's also always wearing a white tank top and jeans. Like, she's always wearing the exact same outfit. So I just think she flew in for I think that that's time. a chic outfit in 2005. <laughs> yeah. I think she's... They also have a shot of them walking from the back and she's in like a, a blouse. Now, you also, you don't really see her face. That yeah. Much. Um, from there, we follow Paris, obviously. Um, she's at the Versace Hotel. She says she always stays there, her and Nikki. Whenever she comes to Gold Coast, because apparently she goes a lot. Yes. Um, she also then tells us she loves animals. Another reason to love this fucking wonderful incredible intelligent woman um so they take a trip to the zoo in which they get to feed kangaroos um take photos with koalas which is easily one of the best another one yes another one of the whole series because she's holding it having a woman take her picture with the koala and she's not changing her pose at all every time she's holding this koala just like you know subtle half smile sexy smile click take the photo another one click take the photo Another one. Click, take the photo. Another one. Look, I do think that if you put that photo of the koala, of her in that pose, it would match the exact same face she's making in one of her mugshots. And I say that with love. (laughs) I mean, I'm mocking her in this, but also I am that bitch where I'm like, I'm the bitch that will like ask him to take a photo and be like, okay, girl, but if you're to this photo of me, like you have to take like spam the button because there's going to be like 80% I'm going to hate. And they're like, no, no, I got you. I got you. And then I get my phone back and I have... 20 pictures. I mean, she says. And I'm like, I'm, I said, stay on the button. Where are my 300 photos of me, like, slightly moving, like, I'm a stop motion character? Like, that's what I asked for. That's what I want. So I feel her on this. I would be the bitch that's like, no, we need 50 of the same photo because only one of them I will like. And she says, I mean, it's not every day that you get to hold a koala. She, a, a thousand percent correct. This is a special moment for her. She loves koalas. They stink, but she loves them. Because they'll poop right in your hand. Yeah. Um, and then it also made me think about, I don't know if you guys have watched South Park ever. Um, not. They definitely, you know, railroad her on South Park for sure. Um, but there's a whole episode. I don't remember how many episodes they talk about her. Song, but there's definitely one in which the whole thing is like she loves animals and she always has a little dog that she like is obsessed with. But the dog is like so tortured and miserable with her. The dogs commit suicide and like shoot themselves in the mouth with a gun. And then the whole premise of the episode is 
Butters, the little idiot, um, his parents sell him to Paris Hilton in a little dog costume to be her new pet dog. In the hopes that he kills himself? No, to get money. Got it. Um, And Butters will never disobey his parents. He'll always do what they say. Um, It just, like, made me think of that when I saw her with the kangaroos being like, I love animals. And then later there's a photo shoot in one of the other episodes in which she has her little dog. And I was like, ugh. Respect Paris Hilton. I just think Paris is a lot of things, but I don't think animal abuser is one of them. Oh, I mean, I don't think she's an animal abuser at all. I think the whole thing is, like, I think the joke to them at the time was, like, you know, oh, this stupid woman, like, who loves little animals, she definitely, like, probably doesn't know how to take care of an animal. And thus, like, the animal probably has a bad life. I can wholeheartedly say that all of her chihuahuas have probably led happier lives than I ever will. Correct. Well, probably because she has a chihuahua staff of people who are just there to wrangle her chihuahuas. Yes. Um, from there, we go back. We're on the set, the Warner Brothers set. Chad is going to do um, some fight training. He has to learn to fight because in House of Wax 2005, um, there is a big scene at the end of the climax in which he is like fist fighting, you know, all this shit with the uh, villain of the film. So he has to learn how to fight. You know, he's all about authenticity. He's going to give his time, his dedication to this. He's not fucking around. Um, He is training for fighting with um, this man that was claimed, apparently his stunt double. The only similarity is that they both had shaved heads. But my, I just, his stunt double, first of all, had a longer buzz. And was a different hair color. He was also like 40 years old. But it wasn't the day that they were filming. It's true. I mean, it says stunt double on screen, but then Chad refers to him as a stunt coordinator. So it could have just been a misprint. I mean, it could have been I later see him in really being Chad's stunt double. He's wearing the same outfit. Movie magic is crazy. I know. Look, at the end of the day, no one's stunt double will be more iconic than Sarah Michelle Gellar's stunt double in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm. If you know, you know. Um, And then during this training that Chad is, like, focusing on so deeply, he's so dedicated, he's not fucking, he always comes to set ready to work, and he will let you know that. He makes it very clear that he's not going to, you know, question anything they say. He's not going to give an opinion because he doesn't know how to fight. He's just going to do what he's told. You know, he's just going to follow instruction and do his job. Costumer? Fuck her. Stunt coordinator. They really know their shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and that's the alpha male. Mal. Alpha, blah, blah, blah. the alpha You're male. The way that I cannot enunciate is incredible. Um, anyway, um, but then he gets a phone call. His uh, best friend slash assistant picks up the phone. He's like, who the fuck is on the phone? He's like, it's your manager or your whoever. And he's like, oh, wait one second, guys. I got to take this. Goes over and takes the phone call, which we cannot hear what the phone call is, but it just appears like his manager has called him to be like, Hey, what's up? What are you up to? Because he's just like, you know, oh, yeah, I'm just like here, you know, doing the stunt fighting. And they just like have these cuts to like the stunt double and the other guy that's there helping just kind of like looking at him like, are you fucking serious? Like you're wasting our time. And then, of course, we get the classic Chad being like, don't film this film conversation. And we cut away from that um, because we can't cut out of any Chad Michael Murray scene without him telling the camera to cut the fucking camera Um, from there. We are now setting up for the church scene in House of Wax 2005, in which um, at the beginning, Alicia Cuthbert, when she enters, doesn't realize that everyone in the church is made of wax. Um, It doesn't make sense to me. I have questions about this. What are your questions? Why are there humans wearing 
wax masks of themselves as opposed to just dummies. Because it would probably be cheaper, like, because they want it to look real. I think it's cheaper to put a wax mask on a person than to build a wax figure, full wax figures that look human. Like, I think it probably just saved them money. I don't think all of them. I think there were some, I think it was a mix. I think some, especially like in the scene that they have later in the movie theater when they had all the dummies, some of them definitely are fake because like some of their fucking heads blown off. Right. Um, but then some of them are real for close-ups where they use like the eyes moving or whatever. Yeah, because the eyes move and stuff. Yeah, underneath. Yeah. I just think it's probably cheaper. I just like do not begin to understand the pricing for any of that shit of like how much it would cost. I'm just going to choose to believe that they did whatever was most costly. Well, I just think if they have to, they don't have to build a full wax carbon copy of someone. They just have to get like a dummy and dress it in clothes. I just think yeah, that's probably like... cheaper than paying an extra. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Um, I guess someone who works in film. Someone who's not sitting on their fucking couch yeah. trashing. Someone who actually works in film. I, I just think we could do it better. <laughs> <laughs> Warner Brothers, here's my number. Um, but then we get a wonderful moment, which is where, I mean, as I said multiple times, I love Jared Padalecki. He is the best part of everything he's ever in. Um, but his role almost in the series is like everyone else is like a diva in their own way and Jared is just like he's just so happy to be here he just like thinks it's incredible how they're making this really big movie and like he's a grateful king he loves movies and he like loves everything about them so it's really just like Jared talking about like they're setting up the scene that's like so amazing because they have like all these wax figures and blah blah and you just like you're like yes Yes, get excited, King. It is really cool, isn't it, sweetie? He does have that golden retriever energy. Oh, my God. So much so. And then he has a great line where he's, like, you know, talking about, like, House of Wax is, like, doing it so big. There was a car alarm Um, that stopped. Oh. It's back? It's done. Okay. Um, House of Wax is, like, doing it bigger and better than anything else. It's, like, so massive. And then he says, it should be called the House of Wax Studios. Um, not the Warner Brothers studios. Well, has he done movies? Of course he has, like, back-to-back shows, but he doesn't do a lot of movies. No. Compared to, I guess. When did New York Minute come out? Oh my god. Fuck. I fucking love that movie. Oh my lord. New York Minute was 2004, and House of Wax was 2005, so this was about the same time as he did New York Minute. But House of Wax is definitely bigger. I guess he did New York Minute before he did... I fucking love House of New York Minute. <laughs> Great movie. But if anyone was going to speak on Warner Brothers, which obviously like was the WB and then what became like the CW and shit, like Jared has the authority to say that. Like as someone that exists only in that pipeline, if Jared <laughs> says that it should be called House of Wax Studios, um, change the fucking name right now. I mean, this was before his tenure with Warner Brothers. I do appreciate though, like the casting. Twenty four is that on? Was that on CW? It's on Fox. Oh, okay. I think. But it's just funny to me that, like, they grabbed Chad from One Tree Hill. Mm-hmm. Jared Padalecki, who's on multiple CW shows. Like, they just, they sourced from within for this film. Yeah, I mean, why not? Because um, then they can just promote it right on their fucking channel and shit. Um, <coughs> but yeah, I mean, like, Jared Well, I think, just- I don't know how... <coughs> I don't know how all the ownership works. The WB TV show is, of course, Warner Brothers. But then when it merged with UPN to be the CW, I'm pretty sure CBS owns them. 
I'm not sure. All I know is that Supernatural started when it was the WB. I'm positive. Um, And then obviously went over to CW. And that's really all that I know. Um, But yeah, I mean, that was just like one of the many reasons. Like the thing about Jared is like the whole series. He's like this though. Like always just like so grateful King. Ready to talk about like, you know, the after production and be, I mean, even the beginning when he was talking about how like he was so nervous, like that Joel was like, oh, what if he said he doesn't want me in the movie anymore? Like, Jared isn't being like everyone else is being like I don't want to wear these clothes like this isn't me where Jared's like I'll fucking wear you know a burlap sack please let me be in the movie please let me be in this movie and it's just like I love that I love someone that is just like grateful for what they're being given I know it comes up in a later episode but then like on Jared's day off Jared's like I was just like really curious how they make movie posters and I wanted to know if I could go see they're making the movie poster and they're like oh here's your limo king go the fuck off like I love him. I feel like I would have the best day, like, hanging out with this motherfucker. And, yeah, I also want him to, like, rail me. What's the deal? Oh, my God. He would and be so gentle. Also, oh just... Oh, he would be so gentle. Caress you. Wait, just, we can't do some funny again. <laughs> speaking... Sorry, just, like, speaking to, like, our WBCW, like, this movie came out when it was still the WB. Yes. So it was just, like, Warner Brothers sourcing from Warner yeah. Brothers. Um... But let's see. Then we get back to Alicia. You know, it's been a hot minute since we've seen our girl. Um, and guess what she's doing? She's literally, once again, seemingly butthurt that she doesn't look cute, but she looks dirty. It's the scene in which she's, like, you know, in her full-on garb now, in her dirty-ass white tank top that she was gifted by Chad Michael Murray's character. I love how busted she looks. It's iconic. Uh, it is. It's grimy. She's got her fucking wrapped-up finger, because there's some shit that happens with that. Like, you know, and she's talking about, like, yeah, I, like, don't look cute right now. And it's like, girl no fucking shit you don't look cute. Like, no, I don't want you to look cute. But it's just like, it's one of those things where it's like, when someone clearly is butthurt about something or clearly wants to talk about something, they just like seemingly find every way to bring it up where we're like, nobody asked. Like, yeah, okay. Do, do you want to talk about that? It feels like you like are bothered by that and you want to talk about it. And she's just like, yeah, LOL. Like, I don't get to look cute like Paris. And it's like, Girl, Paris also has a pipe through her skull. So, like, <laughs> I don't really know what you Maybe want. you should just be grateful to be here, babe. Literally. Um, but then she's just talking about how, like, they shoot the fight scenes. Like, they shoot them from one side first and then the other angle. So, for the first half of the day, they're shooting this fight scene all from her angle. And then she luckily then gets to go home for the rest of the day because they're shooting from the other direction and they won't even see her. Giving us a little behind the scenes of how the movies are made. Movie magic. Yeah, movie magic. I just kind of caught a vibe that, like, Chad was working hardest out of everyone on this set. I kind of caught a vibe that Chad, no matter how hard he was working, was going to make it seem like he was working <laughs> the hardest, you know? You're right. Mm-hmm. I'd I have to like, agree. I don't even know who would say would work hard. Probably Alicia, in theory. I mean, she is the lead. Well, she is the, yeah, she is And, like, they the don't character. show a lot, but, like, what she does in the movie, like, you know, she does a lot. I mean, the car yeah. scene is, like, immaculate. It's everything. Um, then we're back in the airport with Miss Paris, who wants to know if she can travel even though she doesn't have a passport. Um, she keeps bringing out the fact that she doesn't have a passport even though or an ID. she's literally about to get on the plane because um, she's going to Melbourne. Well, it's, again, once one of those times where they like kind of bring up a conflict, but then we don't see the conflict get resolved because she just says she doesn't have her passport and then all of a sudden we see them landing in Melbourne. So it's like, 
what happened between point A and point B. Right. Did she go back and pick up her passport? I want to know the details. Well, they do a lot of that shit where it just seems like in the like after the commercial break and they like, do a cut where it would be like her being like, wait, can I travel with my passport on my passport? And then you'd be like, oh my God, that's going to be a huge thing. But then every time they cut back, it's like her being like, I don't have my passport. And now we're on the plane because it's just for a laugh, just for a laugh, Ryan. And she doesn't have her passport. We're moving on. It's like never actually a conflict. There's no actual conflict on their show. Um, There's a ever. pretty big conflict. Oh, yeah. You're so right. <laughs> that was so dumb of me to say because that's not even true. Um, But she's going to Melbourne Um, for the... FHM party. Um, don't ask me what that is because I don't think any of us know. Um, it's a magazine in Australia that she's on the cover of. Yeah, I mean, that's literally all they tell us. I don't know what it stands for or anything like that. Um, but so she's going to a launch party for it to not only celebrate her being on the cover, but then to also, because this bitch is always working, always grinding, doing the most, like the way that she's carrying this whole fucking marketing campaign on oh, her back, God. Jesus. That's why she's tired. They're not even filming the fucking movie yet, and this bitch is doing promotion for it, like unreal. Um, but so they bring her inside to this huge ass club party. She comes on stage. Um, I love Australia. I love you, Australia. Um, like she's you know about to give us a concert, and that's because she motherfucking is. <laughs> um, because this is when we learned that Paris has actually just started her music career. Um, she wrote an album. Um, she tells us that I know, need to know if she actually wrote the album. The album. Um, Who can access this information? I love that they go out of the way to mention that she wrote the album. I mean, why don't I just go on the wiki right now? Paris. Hilton, let's go on her wiki. Also, FHM is a men's magazine. Like a men's lifestyle magazine. I think, no, like more like a Sports Illustrated. I mean, yeah. Like it's not like nudies as far as I know. Okay, let's go down here. Let's see discography. I'm sorry, I just went back into a time capsule and I remember VH1 doing a countdown, uh, doing like Maxim's hottest like 100 hottest women oh my god women, and watching that countdown being like doo, 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 doo. <laughs> being like oh who's gonna who's gonna be number one right how fucking disgusting so paris is credited her album paris she's credited as, as the first writer of turn it up as well as fighting over me She's not credited on Stars Are Blind. But what about Screwed? Or I Want You. She did write Jealousy. She did not write Heartbeat. (laughs) She did not write Nothing in This World. Screwed is the only one that matters. She did not write Screwed. (laughs) Well, there it is. Okay. Um, She did write Not Leaving Without You and Turn You On. But she did not write Do You Think I'm Sexy. So it seems like she co-wrote half the songs on her album. She Ariana Grande did it. Exactly. The way that they are vocally um, matched. (laughs) 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 I say, I would say that it's Paris Hilton does a little something with her vocals that Ari just doesn't possess. Well, I mean, Paris goes on to tell us that um, not only from a young age did people tell her, like, (laughs) yeah, you know, you know, she always loved music, but then people were starting to tell her, like, hey, you can sing. So she was like, I guess I should sing. Like, I guess. And just like at this um, FHM party, Everyone was asking her to perform her song. Like, everyone was asking. So she just had to do it. And, you know, it's cute. Um, And that's when she goes on to perform um, her iconic single, Screwed. Um, 
since I'm already screwed, here's a message to you. My heart's open. Um, what I love about this moment is that I believe that Paris Hilton is passionate about music. I believe that she worked really hard on self-titled, you know? Mm-hmm. That being said, the stage presence on Subterranean. Oh, yes, queen. Give us nothing. Give us absolutely fucking lean against that fucking DJ booth. Because yeah. she also executive Take a seat, please. <laughs> Um, yeah, so when we just see her perform her iconic song, everyone's losing their fucking minds over it because obviously they were all requesting it nonstop. They wanted nothing more than to just funnel in screwed down their fucking gullets. Were you into Heidi Montag from The Hills? Um, no, never watched The Hills, couldn't care less. I she also has better. a hit single, I believe it's called Body Language. It's really fucking good. Um, I'm honestly, probably. <laughs> what about that real housewife? Don't be tardy for the party. Don't be tardy. Is that Kim? Kim Zolciak or something? Probably. Tardy for the party. Yep. Kim Zolciak. Zolchak, maybe? Yeah. Don't be tardy was good. I only watched the first season. But. It's called Tardy to the, for the party. How does it compare to Kim Kardashian's single? Um, never heard of it. I know I know the Kris Jenner song. I've like, never heard Kim's single. I don't I know what's not clicking for you. Like I literally could not care less about that woman. <sighs> Okay, shall we keep going? Yes. Um, then we get another backhanded talking head compliment from Alicia, of course, because we can't... Directed at Paris. Yeah, we can't go too long with that one, in which she talks about, like, yeah, like, I didn't even know that Paris sang until this movie because, you know, she's so excited about it. She's, like, talking about it all the time. You're like, okay, okay, okay. And then Alicia, in a moment where they could just, like, you know, she could just be silent and not say anything or, you know, just, like, fake it and be like, yeah, Paris is a good singer. She's some good... I like her song. She says, like... Yeah, her voice is cool, which is like kind of like I feel like when someone's like, oh, so are they like, are they cute? Are they hot? And you're like, they're interesting. They have a funny, they're funny. They have a nice personality. I just think that one of those women has an album. And one no, doesn't. you're right. One of them showed up on time. <laughs> it's just kind of like if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. No, that's especially really about it. Paris Hilton. Like once again, like. Carrying the marketing for this movie on her fucking back, Miss Alicia. Have fun on 24. You know who watches 24? My dad. So you My know grandma. What? You know who watches House of Wax? 2005? People with Me. actual fucking taste. <laughs> so moving on. Um, from there, then we get them. Sh- we get to the climax of both the episode and the movie. Because they're shooting the climactic scene in which the House of Wax is actually lit on fire and in the movie melts down. You know, very iconic. The wax is made of, like, real wax and, like, peanut butter and, like, They literally built shit. a house out of wax the, on the Yeah, the whole thing. Like, it's it's insane. I love that shit. Um, but in the movie, um, there's a battle between Chad, which you have to train for, and this guy... Um, and, you know, as Chad, they're showing him, like, you know, he gets, like, thrown to the floor or whatever. He starts talking about, like, you know, the fire is getting really, really hot in this house. Hotter than it probably should be. It feels like his fingertips are bubbling. What the fuck is going on? And suddenly he just knows. Fight or flight kicks in. I don't care. I have to get out of here because something is not right. This fire is too high. This fire is too hot. And thank God that he did. He, he compared it to Apocalypse Now, um, which I was not there. So I cannot tell you if that was a... Uh, dramatic or not <laughs> um but you know what i will say is that chad michael murray is obviously a hero and is not afraid to tell you that he is because when he realized that 
shit was getting hot in this kitchen, he made sure that every fucking person got out. He stood there in the heat and held the door open for everyone to get out. Now, I'm not saying this is not true. There just is no footage to tell us one way or the other. And, you know, maybe it's a classic example of Chad being, like, too humble and being like, don't film me holding the door. Um, He was propping the door open with his foot while the AD was running around inside getting the footage and making sure that no one else was left, telling Chad that everyone is gone. Yes. And him taking credit for it. Yes. Um, If Chad says he's a hero, then he's a hero. The way that you stand by your man is... Look, I, I, I don't believe that Chad Michael Murray is everything that I would want in a man. I just think that he is... Don't sell him short. Everything that I would want in the star of the WB's One Tree Hill. Mm. And because he has, you know, delivered such hits unto me, such as a Cinderella story and Freaky Friday and House of Wax. I just don't think it's right for me to speak ill of him after everything he's done for me. You're and so after right. all the other ill things that you said about him. And after him. all the things I said earlier about him. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, so luckily everybody makes it out alive. And then the rest of the episode was kind of, you know, everybody getting the news. People were on set that day, like Alicia getting called and being told the house burned down. She's like, you It's know. not like the house burned down. The entire WB soundstage burned down. Like yes. a huge building. But the thing about this house that they built is like, beyond that it's incredible that they built it, like they built everything. Like, so shit was legitimately made of wax. Like all this shit, like it's incredible. But they had all this shit in it. Not only like props, like, you know, the the fake wax people, shit like that. Like oh, all yeah. that was like, you know, crafted, but they had equipment like lighting and cameras that like in the moment when it's like there's a fire engulfing this whole place that's made of wax, like there isn't time to get everything. So like the amount of money that had to have been like fucking like lost on this. I think there was also lawsuits after this happened. Against yeah. who? Yeah. According to the Wikipedia I think page. the production company, whoever. For like not, oh, for not using like the correct safety or. Yeah. yeah. For them losing a giant warehouse. I mean, that's the a huge soundstage on the lot. Yeah. What blew me away is that they go back into production two weeks later. They only took a two week break. And then they have to rebuild the entire house. Mm-hmm. Which they were saying would take 12 weeks to do. But they go back into production in two weeks. Probably just in doing other scenes, yeah. yeah. But um, but then we get you know Alicia getting the news, and you know every, it's devastating to everyone. Paris is really relieved that yes, was she was so scared when she heard the news, you know, because she was scared for other people. Um, she cares about people. She does almost she, as much as she cares about koalas. She yeah. strikes me. As an advanced empire. I knew you were going to say I knew you were <laughs> The way that, you know, your mind is just always right. Um, but, you know, she's so happy that everyone got out. And then it's, you know, we get a shot of them all, like, in kind of like a studio somewhere in the WB, whatever the fuck it is. Um, and this woman that comes in. You don't know who she is. doesn't matter. But she's someone that works on the set. And she's delivering the film. Because there was two cameras outside of the building. 
Um, I don't know why they were set up, presumably to just get the normal burning building look that they needed. Um, but they were filming and caught the entire place going up in flames and burning. So then they're all watching after the fact, kind of, you know, having a moment like now I'll safe knowing they survived it being like, wow, isn't that cool? Isn't that like wild? But then we also get an aside to Chad who, um, is clearly shaken up by the experience. He almost died. He almost, yeah, he almost died a fiery death. I mean, his fingers were bubbling. He was in Apocalypse Now. That's some real shit. It wasn't his stunt double. It's definitely scary to have to flee a building that's going down in flames. Yeah. So I recognize that he would be traumatized by this experience. I and mean, he literally says that it's a traumatizing experience. They just seem But to... it's just another thing, like, coming out of his mouth, his delivery of it. Well, they just seem to make a point that, like, Chad Michael Murray was traumatized by this. But there was hundreds of people there in the building. Right. It's one of those things. Not just him. He's not the ultimate victim of the situation. But he is the hero. That goes without saying. Yeah. (laughs) 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 I think the thing that really strikes me that I keep coming back to that's like comical, which once again, I've never been in a fucking huge burning building, let alone one made of wax. You know, I'm sure it is fucking terrifying. But him referring to it as being like apocalypse now, like I'm like, you know. Yeah, it was probably really scary. Like, everyone survived. I don't think they anyone got injured as far as we were made to, to know. You know, they lost a lot of money, but everyone's good. I think they all recognized it in time to get out and have enough time to be safe. It's just like, you know, Chad, it wasn't the beaches at Normandy. Like, I just need <laughs> you to just have a little bit of perspective. Your trauma is legitimate. Like, I'm sure it was really scary, but also, like, you kind of, like, a, it just feels a little smug on this talking head, just being like, yeah, like, it can be traumatizing, but you know, I stood there, I held that door for everybody. Um, those flames were rising. It's like, you know, apocalypse now. It's like, chief, I just need you to reel it in just a tiny, tiny bit. Tiny, tiny bit. That's all I'm asking. Hero. Look, he's this a rich white man. King. They have to hold on to whatever they can. Um, you're so right. Um, but yeah, and then they just kind of talk about in this time when he's talking about his trauma. Uh, they have Joel coming on talking about the whole reason it happened mainly was because the fire retardant they put down when the wax started melting, it was melting onto the fire retardant and thus was not doing its job. Um, you know, talking about everything that they lost, the equipment, blah, blah, but also talking about they're so grateful that nobody died. And this is the music cue that fucking got me because playing in the back, I literally sat there kind of for a whole minute just being like, what is this song that I'm hearing? They were playing Maroon 5's She Will Be Loved <laughs> behind this them all talking about how they almost all could have possibly died in a really horrible They're tragic fire. They're displaying the random MTV it's just like music I, video music in the background. Almost. I get playing like a somber song or whatever, but just like she, she will be loved yeah. since it's such a strange choice. Um, but that concludes, you know, episode three of House of Wax. You know, they could have died. Like the show is bringing us the thrills, the chills. It's the only thrills. Me, like only MTV. Chad's character on One Tree Hill is in a lot of ways, like, the emotional center of the show. Mm. Like, he plays this super depressed, kind of, like, poor-ish, vulnerable, ostracized, um, no father, just with a sense of rejection. He just plays these, like, pretty intense emotions, and it's very convincing for a man that displays almost no depth (laughs) um, on his reality show. I love that you're taking the time to listen to today's episode, but I would love it even more if you subscribed to Dearly Departed on your preferred listening platform. And check out our Instagram page while you're at it. That's at Dearly Departed The Pod. Drop a comment, leave us a review, but most importantly, enjoy the rest of the show. 
episode four of Movie Life, colon House of Wax, opens with Jared arriving to set. I noted that for the third time, they are playing We Used to Be Friends, the Veronica Mars theme song. This is immediately followed by um, all the actors' reactions. Now, when we shift to this, the Veronica Mars theme song fades, and instantly, for the second time, we hear the intro to Maroon 5's She Will Be Loved. Mm. All that to say, they took two weeks and are back to shoot. So we follow Paris on a press day, and she's- What happened in those two weeks? I wish we could have seen We'll never know. We'll never know. Um, on Paris's press day, she's promoting her self-titled album, and she tells the interviewers that she is a really creative person, and that the sound of the album is rock, like Blondie, and that it's off the hook. I believe her. I've never listened to the Paris album, but I do think it's the type of music that... But you've heard Screwed, and you've heard Stars Are Blind. Right. Um, is Blondie shaking? <laughs> Look, Paris could do Debbie Harry, but Debbie Harry could never do Paris Hilton. (laughs) While the crew is hard at work rebuilding the set, Paris throws a boat party. It's just something that they do in Australia. Mm -hmm. Everybody pulls their boat up to like the dock and you just blast the music and drink. It's really unique to Australia. Never anywhere else in the world has that ever been done. Never in Florida. No. Never in California. Mm -mm. No, of course not. It's um, sort of just a Gold Coast pastime. She does say that she, like, is going, at least I think I caught this, like, with other people from the movie. I, I think don't cast see, members. Yeah, I didn't see I think a single crew, other cast probably. Members. She befriended the crew. She, she's really down to earth. She's so goddamn generous. At the party, the guests demand. They fucking demand that she play her hit single, Screwed. Multiple times. And she loves Again. her music. <laughs> she loves her music. So... She agrees. She's wearing a pink bikini and a super low-rise little pink flippy skirt. I'm obsessed with it. I think she looks iconic. Yeah. Immaculate, even. Back on set, Chad Michael Murray, the the man that he is, the alpha male that he is, he starts spreading rumors that Paris Hilton has a crush on Jared Padalecki. And it's like, where, who does it? I mean, yeah, I mean, she's just stating the obvious. Duh. I love that he's like a little drama queen shitster. Look, Jared has everything going for him. He's cute. He's tall. He's nice. He's on TV. I don't need He's anxious. More. Well, I love that Jared, I mean, Jared is very insistent that nothing happened between them. He has a girlfriend. Paris is also dating somebody. Apparently, Nick Carter. Nick Carter at the time. <laughs> um, But... They cut to Paris, like, talking about Jared, and it's really cute. So this scene, so it's Chad, it's Sophia, they're teasing Jared, and this entire exchange is intercut with shots of Paris and Jared in the backseat of a car while she's wearing a, her pink lingerie, her costume. Yes. Jared thinks this is all bullshit, you know? Jared is like, or Chad is like, you know, you didn't go out last night, and neither did Paris. What the fuck were you up to? And you know, Jared's like, we didn't do shit, bro. Leave I was the fuck sleeping alone. for 14 hours. Exactly. Well-rested king. And ultimately, Jared just thinks that if Paris had a crush on him, you know, she is a mature, 
independent, strong woman, like she would say it to him. The show immediately cuts to a talking head of Paris saying, quote, Jared is drop dead gorgeous. So sweet. Such a great actor. We have a lot of fun. I think we were robbed of this romance. I think that a Paris Hilton, Jared Padalecki whirlwind romance would have been everything. I think whoever Jared Padalecki was dating at the time is really grateful that he didn't cheat on her with Paris Hilton. What I want to know desperately um, is, once again, to bring up Supernatural, um, there was an episode of Supernatural um, in which they are in a house of wax type of thing and the wax figures come to life like celebrity wax figures and one of the celebrity wax figures is Paris Hilton <gasps> and Paris Hilton then when it comes to like it plays playing herself in the episode um thus fighting Jared Padalecki and it's very much wink wink flirting you know, look to the camera well no about, about the fact that they're both in a movie called house of wax with each other but you know did you say they were flirting in the episode not that I remember she literally comes to life and like beats the shit out of him uh-huh. um but I want to know, like, all those years later, I'm sure, like, maybe they watched that. It's a movie like Colin House of Wax. And Jared was like, oh, did they miss my shot? Did they right. miss my shot with Paris? Like, you know, when the, the fucking motherfuckers go on these talk shows now and they're like, to Jimmy Fallon of all fucking people, they're like, Jimmy, if you had asked me out, I would have fucked you. Like Nicole Kidman. It's like, bizarre. Stop. Fallon. Stop that now. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to know, like, are they friends still? Do they laugh about it? What could have been? We cut to um, episode four is really about, you know, wrapping up the movie. So we see Paris's final days on set. And it's, of course, her death scene. And it was really brutal because they filmed in an actual sugar mill, which she says, quote, it smelled like crap. It's cold. It's miserable. So annoying. While filming Chad and Alicia's final scene. Wow. Things fucking heat up. Literally. Because first, you know, Chad is already really on edge after his near-death experience. So on this day, he's walking across the set, you know, the set, it's like melted. It's a melted wax floor situation. That's like know? melting beneath him as he's kind of hobbling. And the, and the, the, the entire house is supposed to be melting, right? Yeah. So he trips and, you know, bangs his knee against like a wooden beam that's part of the set. So he's fucking annoyed he's pissed mm. i mean you know when you hit your femur bone like it just does give you a little rage moment yeah <laughs> next while shooting you know him and alicia are running they're running for their lives their characters and up up above we have crew members you know chucking some debris at them they're not chucking debris they're like pouring more like fake or real wax they're pouring down. wax to like melt down the wall behind them but something fell on him yeah, there was I like just, a lamp I that was it, supposed to fall. Both the lamps fell off the walls and how it was melting. But the way it fell, I think it might have fallen before it was supposed to. And like the corner of it caught him, yeah. which is what he was pissed about. It definitely was not supposed to hit his head. It was an accident. No. Or if it was, because I think he says like, you know, if you let me know something's going to hit me, like whatever, like I'll do whatever you, is coming my way. But like, it shouldn't be the corner of the lamp catching the fucking back of my skull. Yeah, I mean, I think from... It was not supposed to hit him. I think from his perspective, he was unprepared and a lamp hit him in the head. And he was already a little agitated, so it's like... From hitting his femur bone earlier. And the near-death experience two weeks previous. As someone that is an upstate bitch and also um, Irish, so I have that hot Irish rage in me, Mm -hmm. I really do know what it's like to just have 
all it takes is this and also being an Aries um it's truly a lethal triple threat combination it takes so little to piss me off and send me into a wild rage so I I really felt for him in this I feel like I get annoyed but not publicly no like so little bothers me I feel like publicly I mean Roberto and I don't really get angry <laughs> i wish i could relate. but it's just a d- different type personality types like i think some people are just more prone to like internalize their rage right i've just always been of the mindset that like watching other people get mad either towards me or around me has never benefited anyone like is as a customer service person right like someone fucking getting oh, mad yeah. and yelling, yelling at you i'm like why would i help you and, and just coming from a household of like yellers I- it's kind of just like it's not cute. It is embarrassing to me. Like, it, yeah. it makes me feel embarrassed. So I would never want to show that level of emotion. But I think, like, there are valid times to get angry. So we cut to a talking head of Chad Michael Murray turning to, you know, who's ever filming him and being like, um, please don't bring up my explosion. And then cut to commercial break. We come back and it's Chad pulling the this director Oh my God, wait, I completely missed this part. Backstep, backstep a little bit. It's Paris's final day on set. Yes. (laughs) She's asking for some direction, you know. Right. She's running around a sugar mill. (laughs) And he says, you know, just like be scared. You know, it's it's dark. He literally- You're running around. He just says to her, pretend it's dark. (laughs) And you're scared, yeah. A real actor's director. Well, something else- you brought reminded me brought up is when I was watching just like behind the scenes shit that was like on like the DVD extras or whatever. Once again, obviously you guys already made known to us like Paris was like very nervous, very self conscious for this role. And in that scene, obviously when she's like running, being chased, she has to like scream. Yeah. Like when she's being chased, and she was like really self conscious about like having to scream because like you know when we're seeing it, she's alone in this factory being chased. In reality, it's like a fuckload of crew members sitting there and watching her ha- do it. Like, all eyes are on her. Yeah. So on top of the fact that she kept doing, um, running up and down the staircase that they had there to make herself sweaty and out of breath, um, you know, real method actress, um, they also had to do a few takes for this sort of rolling in which they would be like, one, two, three. And her and all of the crew would scream um, because then she felt more safe and secure. So it's kind of one of those things when it's like, you're teaching a kid how to ride a bike. You're like, you're not gonna let go, or you're not gonna let go. And like, no, 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 you're good. And once they like feel comfortable, you're like, hands off, look, you did it on your own. And they had to do that for her with her. She has some powerful shrieks in this movie and I really felt it as an audience member. She had to build to get there. Well, knowing that uh, this director, right? His direction was in this moment, you know, I don't know. The, the movie is great, so he clearly did he something. He also directed The Shallow. Oh my god, I fucking love The Shallow. I know you do. My god. Oh, I don't think he's a bad director. I think that they don't make him look good in this series. Correct. I think we only get, like, truly slivers yeah, of Because they track. only care about Joel. But I also just like the world in which an entire warehouse has burnt down, his stars are kind of divas, and he's been forced to work with Paris Hilton, who he probably didn't really want to, and has to baby her. You know, like that energy. And I could just see. Anyway. Like getting to him. So jump back to, to Chad's freak out. Chad pulls John. I hope. I, I'm sorry. This man. I'm sorry to this man. Pulls him aside and is like, what the fuck is falling on my head? Chad threatens to leave. 
because a few weeks ago he almost died in a fire. He's fucking injured his knee. Now shit's falling on his head. You know, he tells the director, he's like, look, look, I'm not late. I don't fuck around. I do what I'm told, but this shit is not worth it. I will say, like, he swears a lot in this scene. But he's not yelling. But he's not screaming in anyone's face. And it does seem like it is a conversation between him and the director. It's not like he's running around set, like, screaming at, at the crew. Like, no. fuck you, you're incompetent. You Christian Bale. My head. Yeah. Yikes. So as far as, like, cast throwing fits on set, I don't think that this is, like, the most embarrassing, most shameful outburst no, that I could I imagine. It seemed like he physically, you know, like, when you stub your toe and you, you just go into this, like, rage immediately. Like, it was, like, that kind of knee-jerk reaction. And he, you know, he did have a near-death experience. He did have something hit his head. I know that hitting my head puts me in a piss-poor mood. <laughs> um, I don't think that he was aggressively out of line but it's just one of those things of like bro but it is still embarrassing to have that broadcast on tv of like you swearing at the director like and threatening to leave the entire project on your last day (laughs) yeah and also the rant that he goes off on is like i do everything i'm told i'm never late i'm always on time i come here and i do my fucking job and i don't ask questions but shit keeps going wrong stuff keeps fucking happening and if one more fucking thing happens i'm leaving like if one more thing hits me in the head just making a big deal over the fact that he like comes to set on time and does his job. Which and so, it's like, yeah, you're know? getting you're getting paid millions, babe. You're not doing anyone a favor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're not here as a favor to me. This is like your job. You're getting paid. It's yeah. one of those things too though, where it's like as I previously stated, I'm a goddamn movie star. Um, have been on set before. Um, I had a 16 hour day once and I would, it's like, you know, it literally feels like the soul is being ripped from your body even when you're not doing much and when you're just like fucking sitting. So I have to imagine like being the lead and doing a lot of physically taxing, taxing shit in general. God only knows how long they were on set that day. Like it could be a fucking 16 hour fucking day. But my thing where, is like, right, actors, you're not the only one who's there 16 hours a day, no, right? Like no, 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 everyone no, no. else is. So yeah. the idea that their time, and they're it's getting more, paid more. Yeah. <laughs> so the idea that their time, I think it's also one of those things where it's like, it can go from both sides where it's like getting upset when you get hit or something's not working right. And you know, you've hurt yourself yeah. or you're tired, you're exhausted. Like, you know, we all have our moments, we all have our little diva moments. None of us are, you know, excluded from that. It's just like, you know, as you're saying, it's like one of those things where it's like, there are other people that I'm sure also are having to deal with shit that are not throwing a fit or cursing as much or whatever. Think of what those poor PAs went through. Oh my God. Do not. Uh, working in a house of wax, I don't even want to fucking think about it. Um, but I also think, um, I lost my train of thought. Doesn't even matter. It was really good. My train of thought? Yeah. Whatever I was going to say was like literally profound. I just think this documentary, like this reality show is, they don't do a very good job of showing what the actual production was like and what it was actually like to make the movie correct so we don't have a clear perspective over what their days were like and what the actors were doing for work because the show is really more about their days off and their dog and and paris hilton doing press and her album yeah i just i went on the director's wiki to see if they would tell me how to pronounce his name i'm I'm just like looking at his stuff that he's directed house of wax was his first movie 
He also directed Orphan, the horror movie Orphan. Hot and ass then fucking mess. He's the guy who's making, because you know the Taken films with yeah, Liam Neeson? Yeah. He didn't make Taken, but he's made all the Taken duplicates with Liam Neeson that Liam Neeson has been doing for the past 10 years. <laughs> the commuter. Unknown, nonstop, run all night, and The Commuter. So Those are four Liam Neeson movies that he's made, in Once addition again. to the shallow, the shallows. And he's he more a movie. successful than I ever will be. So, oh, he has that new movie with um, Dwayne Johnson, Jungle Cruise, with um, with the with Emily Blunt and Disney The Rock, movie. a Disney oh. movie. I mean, yeah. the thing is that Jungle Cruise will never be better than Anaconda with J Lo. That's what we just have to accept. Um, I feel like this must be a movie that's been postponed for COVID because I feel like I saw trailers for it. Really, definitely. million percent. Two years ago. Cash in on that. Uh, and they will not release it before. Um, I think Mulan was their test run and it probably bombed and they're not going to do any more of that shit of Disney Plus releases. Um, but I was going to say. They're dropping the new Pixar movie though. Soul. On Disney Plus? On Disney Plus, yeah. I'm still not going to pay for it. Oh, uh, wait. But that's great. I think that they're including it with a subscription. I oh, think they're just dropping right. it. I don't think it's going to be I mean, 20 that's what they did with Onward, although Onward did get, you know, a little bit of a theater release. Anyway, what I was going to say about Chad Michael Murray is I think also that it doesn't help that, like, as we've been saying, like, throughout these talking heads and shit, he has not done himself a lot of favors and the fact that he does look like a little bit of a jackass the most thing is, of the time. Okay, we've, we've thrown Tool and Jackass around, right? He it's it, it has that edge, but to me, again, it reads like a mockumentary. It reads like he is playing a character. In the like, talking heads, for sure. He's seems, giving a performance. He seems like he's playing the character of movie star douchebag. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, I don't know if he was asked to do that, if that was a choice, but at the end of the day, like, he has to know that, like, okay, like, even if I am playing this caricature of myself, like, to a normal person watches MTV, this is who I am. Yeah. So, well, and you ultimately, just take what comes with that. Ultimately, nothing that he does is truly egregious and offensive. I also, know. No one's seen this show. So. <laughs> mm, that's not true. I've seen it and I'm the most important person. Right. We should have, we should check how many views the show has. On YouTube? I mean, I don't know how you can, like, you we can't see how much it grossed because it doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, right? Does it say on IMDb? No, that, there's nothing on the IMDb page. The thing is, there's probably nobody in the world that loves and supports House of Wax and Vibe as much as me. I'm going to go on record and say that. So this show is a fucking gift. So even well, though I was the only person that ever saw it, yeah. I don't care. The one hour and 45 minute video on YouTube that is the whole series has 100,000 views. Again, it's everyone's last day. We get a, a quick glimpse of everyone wrapping up. It's really bittersweet. Everyone's like, oh my God, you know, this is so sad. I don't want to leave everyone, but like, I'm excited to go home. This process has been so brutal. And you logically think the episode should end here. But no, no, no. Movie Life, Colin House of Wax is above that. We have to get another slew of random chaotic scenes, such as Paris Hilton being excited that Jared is on her flight and then realizing Mm. that she almost leaves $20,000 in her hotel room in an unmarked envelope. We then get a cast photo shoot that really was, um, it was painful for me just because it looked so cheap. The styling was an absolute mess. It did not reflect the movie in any way. Absolutely not. Um, I was confused, but the cutest part was Paris bringing her own camera to the photo shoot and wanting those photos, despite the fact that 
it's not like a BTS. It's not like, okay, they walked away from the photo shoot set. They're all at Crafty. Let's take a cute picture together. It's literally taking a photo while another camera is taking a higher resolution photo of the exact same thing. Right. I'm confused. I don't understand. But you know what? I'll support my girl Paris till the day I freaking die. But it's probably one of those things where it's like, when you do a big photo shoot like that, like, you know, she's the only copy she's ever going to get are the ones that they choose as the final edited copies for the magazine, most likely. Unless, like, she demands that they send her all the copies, which, like, she's she's a rational, reasonable woman. She's not going to demand that. She's like, listen, I know that I want every copy. And the only way that I'm going to get that without being an asshole and demanding they send me every copy of every photo we take is taking them myself. So, yeah, she has her friend, assistant, whoever, stand up to the side with her little digital camera and does her classic, another one. Another, another one. one everyone look over there another one look at my camera over there another one <laughs> a photographer is like trying to finish um, this we, sorry my camera another one uh it was really cute it was also bizarre to me alicia's like wearing a dress like a black bodycon like, dress like night club dress and then the guys are wearing hoodies one of them's wearing a fedora i want to just see these promotional fic pictures House I think I tried to look it up and I couldn't find promo them. Promo photos. Yeah, I don't see anything popping up here on the on the old Google images. Yeah. Episode four concludes with Homegirl Alicia reminding us that this is not where it ends. You know, filming may be wrapped, but this is not where the House of Wax journey ends. Mm-mm. So stay tuned for the conclusion of movie life. House of Wax. So episode five picks up, I'm assuming months later, in Los Angeles, it's time to do press. Alicia is very committed to the press process. Um, that's kind of the first thing that we learn. You know, she knows that doing publicity is the most one of the most important things. It's just as important as making the movie is is selling it. You know, doing the publicity. So she's down for whatever. Um, Joel does mention that you know they they have to kind of get this all of this publicity stuff going because Paris's life is a circus. <laughs> you know, she's going to Canada. She's going to Japan. She's going to Mexico. She has a lot going on. She can't give, you know, all of her time and energy to promoting House of Wax. But it seems like she's pretty committed to the she project. To promote her self-titled album. Well, you know, that came out in 2006. Was so she, No, so she was promoting it really early. That's how, like, She's on top of her fucking shit. That's how important her vision was for this album. Um... I did learn from the IMDb. I did learn from the IM. You got it. What is it? IMDb. <laughs> I did learn from the IMDb trivia that Paris Hilton was the first person cast in the movie and that the cast was built around her. So that just kind of illustrates the point we were making earlier about Paris being the most important person absolutely carrying this film. You're also fucking indebted to this And woman. it kind of looks like, like the girl in the poster, the iconic poster, kind of looks vaguely like Paris. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, it's like a fucking blue wax person in the poster. But, like, some it just gives me a vibe that, like, she probably was blonde, this girl, whoever it was. Paris is also apparently in a horror movie called Nine Lives. The way that, that came out in two thousand two, so she had this was not in fact her first movie, which is important to note. Not even her first ho- a scream queen in the making. She's so fucking prolific. I mean, really, like there's nothing she can't do. Yeah, most of these credits are her playing Paris Hilton, but I just want to see she's Paris in Zoolander so fucking bad, so fucking bad. She's in the Cat in the Hat. 
Oh, I did know this. She, like, apparently is – I know the scene, but I'm not going to get into it. She's oh, on the George Lopez show. Stands, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like George Lopez, not his talk show, but his sitcom. Okay. So the next thing we see is the Us Weekly photo shoot in Malibu. This photo shoot is presumably pool floaty themed. Um, it's just three members of the cast, just Chad, Alicia, and Paris – at a house in Malibu, at a pool with some pool floaties in sort of classic 2005 outfits, just giggling together. Um, The most important thing to note about this scene is that Chad is having a blast. He loves hanging out with the cast. He loves the friends he made and he loves doing photo shoots because it's not a lot of work. They get to just kick back, relax and hang out together and, you know, look beautiful. Of course, Chad Michael Murray did get his start as a model, which they don't talk about, but he was an underwear model before he was an actor. So he's really comfortable doing photos. The next thing we see is ADR day. So this is the day that the whole cast has to come in and do voiceover and overdubbing for whatever dialogue got kind of lost in the mix. It does appear that they overdubbed the entire movie. <laughs> which I don't remember noticing watching it. So it must have been really artfully done. But it's stuff like this, like genuinely, like when they did shit like this, like them doing the ADR, like them setting up the sets, like that's like ideally what I would have wanted from this series is just like, you know, give me them on set. Like I want like two hours of behind the scenes, like yeah. give me the whole behind, which, you know. Is absolutely not what we got. Well, thank um, God for Shutter well, think- giving us literally a 300-minute documentary on <laughs> all those horror movies. Oh, my God. I've watched every single I mean, one of them. that's, right, like, we're the demographic of people who really like DVD special features. Yeah. Like, I love to watch the behind-the-scenes featurettes, et cetera, et cetera. That wasn't really what MTV was delivering unto us, but they did give us something equally as enjoyable, just a little bit of a different vibe. Right. Well, they um, give these morsels, these moments. So I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like the movie stuff. Like, I want to see the, the actors that I like, but just doing the process of making You want to see them making the posters. I am Jared Pilecki. The way that my dream, wait, put it out in the universe. My dream date, me and Jared Pilecki go and watch them make the House of Wax posters. Correction. You're putting it into the universe. You and that's going to happen to you. Yes. Going and watching them print out our movie poster. Correction. Me, Jared Padalecki, you, Devin from Survivor season 36. Going and watching them make our movie poster. Stop. Stop. (laughs) Wait, wait, I don't mark. My dream is that I'm invited. Correction, correction, correction. Me. Jared Pilecki, Roberto, Jen from Survivor, is it 36? 35. 35. And we FaceTime Abby in. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't be a fucking cunt, bitch. We bring Abby with us and Justin Long <sighs> watching us make a movie Guys. poster. And then oh, we're all on the movie poster because we're actually all starring in our own movie. I don't want to digress. I was, I did listen back to our episode where I spent 15 minutes talking about Justin Long. And I genuinely listened to that 15 minutes back and was not satisfied. I did not feel like I said everything that I meant to say. You so never can when you're that I do think love. I do think later on, you know, maybe a mini-sode. I, I just, I do have more to say about Justin. I didn't feel like, I felt like I was trying to be too objective instead of just really sharing like from the heart. So I do have more to say about Justin Long. So just stay tuned, but I'm not going to like spend our time doing that right now. The only other thing I noted from this ADR scene is that Paris doesn't quite remember her page 
voice, Paige is the name of her character, she doesn't really remember the voice. Well, based on the trailer for the new Paris Hilton documentary, we know that there's the real Paris. There's the public eye, like baby doll voice Paris. Yeah. And then a third voice that she had to concoct for House of Wax. That's a lot to carry. You do see, particularly in this episode, Paris slip between the public persona of Paris Hilton and the actual woman Paris, and her voice does drop an octave. <laughs> That's hot. Is not how she talks when she's just at home. She has like a way lower register. She has been playing the American public For over 20 years. In some ways, she might be the best actor in House of Wax because the world is her stage. (laughs) You are a thousand percent correct. So next, we see Alicia head to WonderCon in San Francisco. They do take a private jet to San Francisco from LA. It's unclear who else is there. It seems, and they make it seem like it's just her. Just Alicia. But this is her first time ever signing autographs. She's a little bit dramatic about how much her hand starts to cramp. <laughs> um, well, she's dramatic about everything. She just s- seems like she takes herself very seriously. Like, that was the vibe I got. Mm-hmm. She is not as much about, like, having a reality show as, like, Paris Hilton and Chad Michael Murray. She's like, I'm a serious actress. But- Which is funny, because I, so I, did, I didn't watch 24. My parents were really obsessed with it. And I don't think I really ever saw The Girl Next Door. No, I didn't either. I just know she's in it. So my first introduction to her, the, the three-season short-lived kind of Friends rip-off. Because, you know, like, there was just that time when every network, still now, is just creating Friends rip- rip-offs. Yeah. Um, she was in one called Happy Endings. And she kind of, she played the, the, the ditzy, dumb character. The Joey of it all, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, and finding her just really charming and delightful and ridiculous in that. So seeing her really taking herself so seriously in this behind the scenes look of a critically panned slasher movie like, is... Babe, this is MTV. <laughs> know your audience. Oh, literally. She is a good actor, though. I mean, I think yeah, she's, she's great. In, in House of Wax. Um, so next, Paris heads to Cancun for MTV Spring Break. This is fun because it really doesn't have anything to do with House of Wax. Um, she promotes House of Wax. Everywhere she goes. Everywhere she goes, she promotes it. Whether she's asked or not. <laughs> I mean, she's carrying the film. She's carrying the Correct. Press. The first thing she does when she gets to Cancun is ask where's the Fendi store. She needs to blow off some steam. She loves shopping because she works really hard. And she needs to relieve some stress by buying countless little clutch bags from Fendi. I support this 120%. I love retail therapy. And I think if buying a Fendi bag makes you feel better, then you should buy a Fendi bag. I mean, I literally just bought a uh, pillow that's in the shape of a McDonald's uh, Halloween chicken nugget. Um, And that was my therapy. It sparked joy. Dead So it was worthwhile. Right. Then she goes to the House of Wax party in Cancun, which has about 6,000 people. (laughs) It seems a little bit less like a party and more like a Paris Hilton concert where she's talking about House of Wax and she sings her song, right? I think she just dances on stage. She just dances. There's a Paris Hilton dancing montage. 
Oh, God. Yes. I loved it. She gives it all on stage. I do think it's important to note that Kim Kardashian doesn't dance. She's always said, like, she refuses to dance. Um, this is just another, you know, I, I, I don't like to pin, pit women against each other. But this is just a reason why I enjoy Paris as the millionaire, socialite, influencer, reality show star a little bit more than Kim. Simply because Paris dances. She's not above it. As someone she gives who also never stage. wants to pit women against each other. I enjoyed Paris, but she's now Lindsay Lohan on stage in Mykonos. Well, when you put it that way, you know, I do start to question. I do start to question my feelings, but I, I just love Paris in this dancing montage. I wish I could deliver it onto your eyes through this podcast. It is beautiful. Um, then, of course, we have what we mentioned earlier, which is Jared Padalecki's scene where he calls up Joel and says, hey, Joel, um, I just really want to see them print the posters. I want to see what printing the House of Wax poster looks like. And then we get a very gratuitous sequence of just ink. I love Layers that. of ink being printed he, on the poster. Was so it the beginning of ASMR? <laughs> the way that Jared Padalecki single-handedly invented ASMR, <laughs> you're all welcome. Um, it was interesting to see how these movie theater you know professional posters get printed um he leaves with a house of wax poster i was jealous i want one i he's the thing is that scene brought that sparked joy for me as i already said just because like in general like i want to see the behind the scenes shit i yeah i would love to see how they fucking make movie posters it reminded me of that you watched that fucking food network show unwrapped that they bring it to the fucking like sweets factories like for candy or desserts and they show you yeah. how they make them oh my god that was my fucking jam i love that jam. um it was a bomb.com growing up i so miss like, i miss surfing through just teal just flicking back and forth between tlc and the food network yes um, oh my god but yeah and then i just love him getting in the car at the end and he's this little poster in a tube like he got to take home a souvenir like they pull up he, he calls joel and says he wants to go and see the posters and so they pull up with a limo to take him to see the posters he literally is just like a a little boy and like the biggest body and like something about just, that is doing so much for me. I could just see MTV inviting him to come and see the posters get made because they wanted to put it in the reality show and not having it really be his idea. I just don't know why they would want to do a segment on posters. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I think it was Jared. I, I yeah. mean, just based on everything that, like, that he was saying throughout the whole series of just like genuinely being excited to be on this movie, yeah. genuinely thinking it was really impressive and blah, blah. He and has we, the best attitude. And like, as we said, like he didn't really do many movies before this or really ever in his career so far. So like, you know, they don't really make big movie posters for like TV. So to be able to be like, this is probably debatably the biggest movie before until we get to the Friday 13th remake that he was in, like... Yeah, I'm sure he's fucking stoked. He's like, this is my first, like, big movie where I'm, like, a big star in it. Like, I want to go see the posters get made. Like, I feel like I'd be the same exact way. So, scorecard. For press, we have Alicia going to WonderCon and um, complaining about autographing. We have Paris going to Cancun and partying. Yeah. And we have Jared um, checking out the posters. He does sign a bunch of them. Well, he, I noticed that you signed it with a black Sharpie. Well, you know, when it catches the light, you can see it. He signed it what they gave him, okay? It's a black poster. So they That's on them. He signed it what they gave him. Paris Hilton is back in LA and she's having her birthday party in Hollywood. Loved this scene. Um, she does make a point to mention who is in attendance. Alicia is there 
which I appreciate because I didn't really think Alicia liked Paris very much, but she does go to Paris's birthday party, probably to Brown Nose and Network. Um, (laughs) Paris is super excited to mention that Frankie Muniz is also there, as well as Efren Ramirez, who plays Pedro in Napoleon Dynamite, which came out like the same year or like the year previous to House of Wax. I think it came out in 2004. Well, the gift he gives her for her birthday is a vote for Pedro shirt. Yeah. She's a big fan of Napoleon Dynamite is what I got from this. So yeah, she loves comedy. She has taste. She likes to laugh. Deadass. Um, Then we get the Entertainment Tonight interview with the cast. Um, Jared is really nervous. I guess this is maybe his first time going on Entertainment Tonight. Um, the only thing I really noticed about this scene is they have to do a bunch of like little sound bites for like commercial breaks on entertainment tonight. And Alicia, she, once again, she takes press very seriously. Any opportunity to complain. But she's really happy to be there and to do her job. And yeah, you know, she mentions, you know, the the lines we have to say are awkward and it, it, you know, it just, it's a little bit awkward to say all these like tune in to entertainment tonight. But, you know, it's just part of the job. And, you know, when they cut it together, it will sound really good. Paris does not complain. And not only does she not complain, she fucking sells it. She fucking sells it. If I had been flicking through the channels and I saw Paris on on Entertainment Tonight telling me to watch House of Wax, I would have purchased my fucking AMC ticket right there. on. It would have been Lowe's at the time. I would have purchased my fucking Lowe's ticket right there on the spot. Mm-hmm. Then the sort of final scene we get is the press junket with the cast. Press junkets are really long days. They can be really tedious, but again, it's really necessary to promote the film. Um, We get cut together a little montage of all the different things that they're saying in their press interviews. Jared is looking really tan in a really crisp white button up. Really tasty. His his hair is parted. He was just looking really cute. That's why I need you here because I didn't notice. (laughs) (laughs) now they describe these are the various words that they throw around to describe the shoot and most of these are coming from chad and alicia and a few from jared and a few from paris they describe the shoot as scary grueling exhausting and physically demanding they do talk about the fire brutal because they say brutal at least six times well the one that i kept hearing was grueling and that was coming from alicia she found it grueling she found it really grueling well, I mean, yeah, if you have to go to set every day and not look cute, that's really fucking hard. I would find it grueling. I'll admit it. Paris, you know, she's humble. She's really humble. And she mentions her panic attack. She talks about how, yeah, on the first day on set, I had a panic attack. I was really scared. I was really nervous. That's just a little something I love about Paris. The way this woman speaks up about mental health so openly. she What is she not doing? She did it in 2005 and she did it in 2020. She's dripping with authenticity. Um, what I really was amused by is the the show ends with just the cast talking about each other and saying what they love about each other. It just seemed very phoned in by some of them. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you, Alicia. I'm just not convinced. <laughs> what I'm did just, I say from the beginning? What did I say? I, I'm just not convinced that Alicia feels as positively about these people as she seems to claim to on MTV. But... It opens with her, with everybody talking about her and what they love about her. And she's just so fun. She's just really fun to have on set. Everybody loves her. And Paris specifically says that she's gorgeous. I love Alicia. She's gorgeous. Yes, Paris, you're so fucking kind. Yeah. She supports women. She does. 
Everybody says about Jared that he is so nice, always upbeat, so positive, so happy to be there, so excited to be there. That I believed because that I witnessed, you know, I, I saw that he was excited to be here. And Chad says, you know, very lovingly that he doesn't have a single negative word to say about Jared. He loves Jared Padalecki. He has nothing bad to say about him. He just thinks he's a gem. No, babe. And they never will. So then Alicia um, and Paris say that Chad is an amazing actor. That's what they say. They don't say a lot about his personality, but they say that he's an amazing actor and he's the only one who's acting they tend to really praise, besides when Paris talks about Jared's acting. But um, they, they feel that Chad is an amazing actor. I would have to agree. I would. I mean, I think he's good. I think that Chad Michael Murray is a good actor. That being said, someone explained to me why he wants to bang his sister in this movie. Okay, this is, okay. We said we're going to talk about it. I think, and because we were talking about the whole, like, Sophia, what the fuck of her name is, being there. Um, Sophia Bush? Once again, I, Sophia, Sophia whatever the Bush. fuck. Mm, so- Sophia Bush. <laughs> um, when Sophia Bush wants to pay my motherfucking rent, <laughs> I'll make sure I get her name right. Know that she would pay your rent faster than Chad. Or Jared, probably. Don't you? Don't. <laughs> don't. Alicia and Paris say that Chad is an amazing actor and that they laughed a lot with him on set. That's what Alicia mentioned. And we do get a couple clips of highlights of them making each other laugh on set. So maybe they just did really get along super well. Um, And then, of course, the last person we have to talk about is Paris. Everybody loves Paris. And Alicia says, she says, to be honest, when I found out that Paris was cast in this film, you know, I was a little bit nervous. I was a little bit worried. I wasn't sure about it. Wasn't sure what that was going to mean. But I was really pleasantly surprised because Paris totally kicked ass in this movie. I do think that Alicia is putting a lot of weight on her own opinion of Paris. Yeah. Like I'm, you know, I'm a serious actress and, and I think Paris did a good job. Gold star. I don't need Alicia to tell me. I saw the movie. <laughs> I saw them, that per- Paris carried that film. And Jared says that what he likes about Paris is that she was so grateful to be there and she's just so grateful for everything that she has. He just really sees her as having a great attitude. Ah, ee. Ah, well, it's that time of the episode. This is the movie Life House of Wax incident report. Date of cancellation, unclear. Because this is a show history is trying to bury. And if not history, then MTV. Immediate cause of death? Asphyxiation. From the smoke blowing out of Chad's ears after the wax debris fell on his head. As a consequence of Joel's Silver's insistence on authenticity. There's a militude in his own words. That's right. In this case, it was, in fact, very hot. Abby, do you have any words for House of Wax, for movie life, House of Wax. It was hard. House of Wax. That's right. It was hard for me um, when I thought about eulogizing this show. Mm. Sorry. Okay, take your time. It's getting to me. These shows are always Um, touching you. You know, every (laughs) (laughs) every time that I get to this point, I, I feel rocked by, I think, what we went through communally together watching this show but 
But for me, you know, this show lives on through Paris, through Chad, through Jared, and through Alicia. I don't see it as something that's died. I see it as something whose spirit remains with us as long as they have careers. Um, But there is one person, one triumphant being that I do feel whose light was dimmed too soon. And that is Ozzy, Chad's dog. And so I just want all of us in this moment to remember this dog, this beautiful, I want to say bulldog. I want to say you're right. But the ears were floppier, right? So cute. This gorgeous alpha male that as far as we know, only lived for two months. You know, we don't know what happened to it after that. We don't know where this dog went. This one testable wonder. This, this nut clops. <laughs> but I want to believe that after having his moment in the sun on MTV, you know, this is an Australian born dog. <laughs> this was rare. I mean, I think I'm sure he was a fucking purebred. You know, and I just think the other dogs in his litter, you know, they didn't get the opportunities that he got to be on television in America. And I just want to believe that if he did go on to have a new home and and hopefully an owner as handsome, as heroic and as vulnerable as Chad Michael Murray. And I I hope that that owner treated him with the same love and respect that Chad did. Um, So I want to thank you all for listening. Thanks for that, Yeah. Ani, do you have any final words for us? For Is there anything you want to plug? Oh, I mean. Or just if you have any final words about House House of Wax. House of Wax. Um, Well, obviously, I definitely urge you guys to watch the movie, as you guys said at the beginning. And I know that you guys said maybe not the show. I'm going to die on my own hill here. And I would also recommend the show. I think it's it's so easy to watch. It literally is like, you know, it's an hour and a half. Not even. Um, and it's just, like, fun. It's just, like, another, like, you know, time capsule. Um, the show gave us so much. Not only did it give us Ozzy, it gave us um, several screwed performances. Um, <laughs> it gave us Jared Padalecki and all his pure childlike wonder and joy. Um, it gave us Apocalypse Now. Literally. Um, but, yeah, I mean... This was so fun to rewatch with you guys and discuss. I'm so happy that you had me on. Um, And to plug my own shit, um, I do, in fact, have a podcast with my best friend, uh, Alex Branley. Um, It is called The Girls Who Cried Be Horror, in which we tackle every month a different be horror film and, you know, discuss it. We also have a bunch of fun minisodes, one of which included our uh, House of Wax minisode, which is really fun. We talk about the show. We talk about the movie more specifically. We also talk about the movie that inspired it, Tourist Trap, in a full-length episode. Um, but you can find us everywhere you can find Yearly Departed, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. You can find us at Twitter at uh, Girls Who Cried BH. We just released an episode, um, we're recording this, um, with the director, writer, and star of the Shutter 2020 release, Scare Me. And it was really, really exciting and really fun. Um, so we have a good time over there. I mean, we consider Dearly Departed our sister podcast. I feel like they go very well hand in hand with each other. So, um, And they both are recorded under the same roof. Yeah, now they are because we all live together. Um, I'm so excited to 
have you guys on our podcast um, when the time comes when we do your select movies. Um, we are very excited. And I cannot wait to promote the shit out of this. Um, well, there's one more thing that we have to do before we depart. Oh. We have to take a look at our ranking. Oh, right, 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 right. Oh, right. Yes, your ranking. Yes, Our yes. ranking. So as of last episode, out of the shows that we have seen, mm-hmm. we keep track of the five shows most deserving of getting canceled. At the number five spot. The, the show least deserving. The show least deserving out of these five. We have Brittany and Kevin, Chaotic. The number four spot, The Bedford Diaries. The number three, Zero Hour. At the number two spot, our latest entry, Mob City. And at the number one spot, The Beautiful Life, colon, TBL. So, Julianne, just to make sure I got it, I'm understanding. The number five is the least deserving of getting canceled. And number one is the most deserving. deserving. Okay, now, following. Movie Life, colon, House of Wax may not even enter the list if that's what we decide. I I think, I think... The main question is, you know, do we think that Brittany and Kevin, chaotic, is more deserving of getting canceled than movie life? Um, what is your truth? I think yes. I think I personally would not rank movie life. I think just the idea that it's a reality show following the production of a movie has infinite possibilities for continuing to do that. They could do that on a bunch of other movies. So... I don't see a reason why this needed to be a one-off. I think they could have kept going. I mean, MTV makes movies. I would have to agree with you 100%. I just think that this movie, uh, this show, could it continue to recap Chad Michael Murray, Paris Hilton? (laughs) No, it would have to be the behind the scenes of a different movie. But I think it had potential for longevity, and I'm sorry that it didn't work out. Oh, well, with that, movie life, colon, House of Wax, may you live in paradise. Mm. And Stan Paris Hilton for clear skin. From the bottom of our wine glasses, we want to thank all the people who made this show possible. Our theme song is by Ben Muller of Low Ceilings, music available on Spotify. Artwork by Hunter Bustamante. And additional tunes by Rachel Baldwin and Gal Petal. Till the next cancellation. <laughs>